0: This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Tony from for Games. And oh, uh, I'm before so dark, we... I don't know Will, but um you're <laughs> not you're not the important person here. Mr. Yeah. for Games is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and <I'm> just... <laughs> sorry, Will, um, but before okay. we get into what is the what is the episode, Will,
2: it is a manic Monday.
0: And you're getting weaker and weaker with this intro segment.
3: I know.
2: I, I don't like creeping people out. It was funny the first time, and I've lost interest after like 400 episodes. So,
3: <laughs> so you certainly sound manic. <laughs> it is manic Monday.
0: Yes. <laughs> and, uh, so the, the real question is, what's the elevator speech for your channel, Tony?
3: We do preservation, gaming, archaeology, and cover zelda related mods so if you are interested into in the weird the obscure the things that never came out or possibly could have been we are a good place for that
0: and uh on top of that you should definitely check out his spider-man 4 video it's clearly uh one of the most
3: popular videos
0: on his channel and it's a really good one so
3: yeah it was a lot of fun to do that one it's uh it's very strange but apparently (laughs) that game existed but was never released Mm.
0: And you can find more stuff like that on his channel. So what are we covering today for Manic Monday? We're covering a device that uh, is essentially a portable PC I game, gaming-wise. I understand this. <laughs> There's an Apple rumor we're going to be discussing. And then our main topic, the uh, the kernels releasing a console. Yep. So um, <laughs> the first mm-hmm. thing, GPD Win 3. Have you guys heard of this thing before I mentioned it to you?
3: Not before you mentioned it, no.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's see here. Somebody actually has some video footage of it from a month ago. So this thing is supposed to be a portable PC with, like, actual controls and stuff. Oh, this this person doesn't have it either. They're showing a video, a video off a video, which is what I'm doing. And look, it's The Witcher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this thing is, is, like, the third evolution of the GBD win. And I've seen people cover it. I think Metal Jesus has covered at least one of these before, which is how I originally got into it. Um, but they've really revolutionized mobile PC gaming to the point where it might actually be as, as good as the Switch at some point in regards to quality and, um,
2: res- not resolution, but performance. It sounds so weird. Mobile PC gaming.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, it's like, well, Windows 10 10- <laughs> is trying to be. Mm-hmm.
3: I don't want to come off as overly negative. I had something to say, but maybe someone has something positive to say first, it will it'll buffer it. <laughs> well, i mean
0: uh,
2: i gonna me negative too so.
0: there's something interesting here though like think about it if windows can scale to a mobile pc and play games from a steam library you have a legitimate pc switch competitor but i guarantee you it costs five times as much
3: yeah i mean that's certainly part of the the problem i i think that the thing is is that people have tried to do this before And there's always been like this idea of like, what if you could do MMORPGs or online gaming or PC type gaming on the go, but you forget, yeah, so for example, this is the Panasonic jungle that you're pulling up and the Panasonic had the same idea that this is kind of like a, a 720p screen, pretty powerful for its time, uh, 2011 it was supposed to be slated to come out never did it was going to be online gaming this and pc gaming that and mmorpgs and what have you Mm -hmm. but it just it never came out and and the reason that they gave was changes in the market and and they never explained what that meant so what i took that as as meaning was they realized that um pc gamers like playing on their pc exactly and these games one of the big draws of pc gaming is that you spent time to either buy or build your own rig you have your own space you have like your own man cave it's like a whole ritual uh, of (laughs) pc gaming and it's like it's like pc gaming people that are really into it it's like a religion like it's it's you know some people wouldn't be caught dead with the switch or a console or something (laughs) like that you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like you see it now with all the cyberpunk stuff Where it's like, oh, Cyberpunk runs fine on my PC. It doesn't run fine on your PS5. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know, you know. So portabilizing the PC has always traditionally failed because the market it it's almost less about the games and more about
1: how you play
3: the games and the experience (laughs) of having the best possible experience with that particular game, turning up the frame rate to five hundred. Frames per second and having it be, you know, 8K, you know, because you have the craziest, latest, greatest monitor. And so scaling them down, I feel like those PC gamers that are interested in the games, awesome. This works perfectly fine. But I feel like those, that doesn't, that isn't the majority of PC gamers, right? Or am I wrong? I guess yeah, I, maybe I, I may agree with that you
0: small too. minority of people that want to play PC games on the go, but I have steam link. Yeah. And the rotor riot controller, which by the way is a work of art is an amazing way to play games using steam link or Xbox Cl- or X cloud or any of those streaming platforms.
3: Yeah. And and sorry, I just went on like a large diatribe, but like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I feel like
0: you're totally on, on though. Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot of people that I agree would, would exactly feel that way.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's like, um, you know, some people are are you know obviously with COVID, a lot of them are closed, especially you know in our state. But, um, you know, some people are movie theater people. You know, they want to see the latest greatest in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Other people are like, no, I'm fine seeing the new Star Wars flick at home for the first time. Yeah, you know, but other people need that blow you away. IMAX. Yeah, the IMAX experience. You know, uh, and I feel like that. Those are PC people. Not necessarily that PC people need to see movies in theaters, but they can just watch it on. I,
2: I get the analogy for sure. Yeah.
3: Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I like the experience too.
0: So. I understand. So anything else you, so you want like, to say about UN three? It's like
2: X Cloud. I mean, I can play all of my Xbox games on my phone, which is freaking amazing technology. And I've done it exactly zero times. <laughs> I, I I think I booted up once just to prove that I could do it. And then I've never done it again. It's like if I'm going to play Xbox games, I'm going to play it on my Xbox. So
0: clearly, this is this man who's talking does not have children because portable gaming is one of the only ways I get the game nowadays.
3: Yeah, I was actually going to say that that um the th- the thing is is that like that even that is like a niche within a niche though. So you can't like support a, a console on it. But if I play games, it's got to be the Switch or it's got to be mm. one of my old Game Boys or something like that. Got to be portable because the time it takes me to pull out some other system and set it up that might be my time
0: yes Mm
3: -hmm. you know what (laughs) i I mean
0: found that to be the case for me lately
3: that might be the time that i have it might be those five minutes and i've wasted them looking for a cable you know what i mean so it's just like it's (laughs) got to be the switch boom you play it i remember rocking my daughter when she couldn't sleep when she was like three months old um you know in her little bouncy seat she needed to be bounced i'd bounce her with my foot gently and Mm -hmm. She'd slowly nod off over the course of three hours between 1 and 3 a.m. And I yep. played the Switch. Like, it's like, what am I going to do? Stare into her eyes the entire time? <laughs> yes. But <laughs> most people, that's a phase of their life. And that doesn't, you know, like, it would, something like that would have been great for me. PC games on the go. But it just isn't most people. The situation is more unique
0: i'm definitely in that situation now with a two month old
3: (laughs) oh yeah god have mercy on your soul man like lord it's hard (laughs) so hard
0: all right let's get on to this next one so this apple rumor this thing happens every single year i feel like so we've we've had this rumor last year and Mm -hmm. probably if the podcast was older we'd have had it the year before that too but Apple is rumored to be releasing a more gaming focused Apple TV in 2021 with a brand new up-to-date remote to co-launch with it to um, essentially make gaming more accessible for Apple TV owners. I think it makes sense. It's the natural evolution of the Apple TV and the remote.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I don't care, though. But yeah, it's it is interesting. We'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be a niche like I feel Apple gaming is. I don't think it's it's not blowing away the industry at all.
0: Yeah. I, the yeah. Apple TV is a great streaming device, though, for like xCloud. I'm not 4. saying it's not. It's just, I don't know. And you can use <laughs> the Xbox One controller. So, you know, I don't know.
3: I think if they can bring additional functionality to their install base, great. You know, if they bring on some more people because they can do some additional like gaming type stuff and it's a little more powerful, got a little more oomph for better compatibility or whatever,
1: mm-hmm.
3: awesome. Um, but when I read this, I was just kind of like, okay, cool. Good for them. You know, like it wasn't something that was like, yeah. like, because I, I was like, I looked up like, what games can you even play on an Apple TV? And there was like, there's a relatively short list of like notable titles. So I was just kind of like, mm-hmm. all right, you know, that's. that's yeah. good." Ocean,
2: yeah.
3: Oceanhorn
1: exactly. 2
0: is one. What is? Oceanhorn 2, The one of the best Zelda clones ever made.
2: Yeah, it's on other oh, systems okay. now, though.
0: It's coming to the Switch finally. Ocean Horn 1 was one of my favorite games on the Vita, and now it's this is coming to the Switch, but it's also it was launched and was funded a lot by Apple.
3: <clears throat> hmm.
0: It's like Breath of the Wild meets like um almost like a Wind Waker.
3: I feel like there have been a lot of good uh Zelda clones lately. There's like Genshin Impact and then like that other one that was like what was it called? Oh jeez. It's on the tip of my tongue here.
0: The original Oceanhorn launched on iOS in, like, 2011 or 2012, so it was, like, one of the earliest, best ones. Oh, this is not the video I was thinking it was.
3: Fenix Rising, apparently, is also, like, a well, it's relatively well-reviewed mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild. I've never played them, so I don't know if they're really any good, but apparently people are latching onto the formula and doing a decent mm-hmm. job
0: that was the first one this one's really good but they both are app were originally apple exclusives so this oh, one okay. started on apple devices and then it got ported to everything known to man including the vita xbox one ps4 just not the wii u basically oh <laughs> yeah but I, I think apple getting more into gaming makes sense it's good because it brings more players to the table um and the fact that i can stream most actual gaming services like xcloud ps4 uh, i think ps4 live uh, streaming was coming to it and then they canceled it because they're going to do it with the ps5 instead um but also steam Steam Link works really well with the apple tv especially since mine's hardwired and so if i don't feel like going down and playing on my pc i want to just play in my living room it's perfect
3: (laughs) yeah there's a convenience factor Mm
0: -hmm. talking about convenience factors though the most important thing ever nice addition i like it is actually a thing like like who who would have thought this was a real
2: thing uh you have been like spamming me with all of this (laughs) thing for months now and i still just can't play that this is a thing like why (laughs) (laughs) like i want it but like why is that a thing (laughs) yeah
3: like there's so many i have so many feelings about this Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously the big one that everyone's talking about, I mean, it's, it's, it's beautiful marketing and KFC always does beautiful marketing. It's, it's glorious because we're talking about it. Obviously it's good marketing because we're talking about it. Everyone's talking about it. So they're doing a great job of getting the KFC name out there. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially at a time when restaurants aren't doing as well, although, you know, being a fast food, people can just kind of do, you know, drive through and such, but yeah, like it's wild. You know, there's the, the chicken warmer. That uses the heat from the processor. Yep. That somehow heats that, but keeps the processor cool enough, like the main components. Mm-hmm. And then if you notice the the pullout tray, it's like, um, looks uh, like slotted. So there's probably grease falling down into a grease trap. Right. But it's like, what's preventing the grease from getting on the, you know what I mean? Like it's on the l- components. lubricating the fans. Yeah. So it's like, it's like two things you would never want to combine.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: you know like electronics and like greasy food you know like even like if you like when you game you don't want to have greasy food on your hand you like wash up before you touch your controller so you don't get like skin cheese stuck in the buttons you know what i mean like it's just nasty but at the same time it's genius because Mm -hmm. what the hell
0: (laughs) um and, i also and like that there's a memory and stuff yeah the thing, it's, a,
3: it's super like innovative too, at the same time like they have a hot swappable gpu
1: mm-hmm.
3: which is like that's actually awesome like a lot of it sounds good mm-hmm. but it's just i mean it's gonna be better than the atari vcs <laughs> <laughs> yep that's for damn sure <laughs>
0: Oh, somebody man. i watched was like actually pricing out all the pieces of this thing and he was like this is like a three thousand dollar pc That's if not right. more
2: They're probably gonna make like 10 of them <laughs> i mean yeah, i don't I would, know
0: i wouldn't be shocked if it was like a uh giveaway or something like that high-end youtube content creator giveaway type thing mm-hmm. like a like a mkbhd gives this away kind of a thing
3: yeah because like how could you possibly make a profit on it with all of these components?
0: right I, yeah i don't know it could be a promo item they could make a thousand of them you know like get get in line to buy one and then all the scalpers wind up with them and don't ever sell them
3: yeah <laughs> i don't know like
0: anything. i don't it's know
3: it's so bizarre it's so bizarre or um,
0: maybe K. C. becomes the most popular pc maker in 2021
3: yeah <laughs> maybe i don't know man like it's the thing is like it answers so many questions, but it also answers nothing. <laughs>
2: well, they also need to have like a cooler part where it cools your Mountain Dew, and it is, it'll be yeah, amazing. Yeah, there you go. No, that's the Bud Light console, Will. Haven't you seen that thing? Yeah. I, you had a question mark, so I didn't even look it up. <laughs> Wasn't I'm sure, sure if sure you wanted to
0: want cover it. That's the only reason I know this thing's a thing, but this is the the Bud Light console. It's like a real I think thing. I saw that. It's got a projector <laughs> so, built into it.
3: Did it go into production or no?
0: I think they made one, and they it was like a charity thing.
3: Oh, okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So did I they did they build it up and market it like this, where like they weren't really saying how many were going to be released, and then they just made one? No, I have no idea. Oh.
1: <laughs> Let's be honest with
0: you. I, I I only know about it because of Games 81. I think he said it went for like five grand.
1: Mm.
0: That's but wild. All right, like Bud Light, all these food companies. Let's make. A, I'm waiting for the Doritos, uh, like triangle shaped console to come out.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's got like so, a burrito bag slot on it or something. I don't know. It's it's wild stuff, man. Like, it's. Uh, I kind of want it, honestly. No, I don't know I, what it can play. I'm guessing probably just Steam games or something. I can't mm-hmm. imagine there's anything proprietary for it. What, what um, software
0: do you think it runs? Linux, Windows, Android, Steam, the, Steam, the weird Steambox thing they had? I mean, I can't imagine Steamboxes. No. Well, yeah, they have
3: the be- uh,
2: games with the kernel, like uh, Burger King made the King sneak and stuff. <laughs>
0: You know, they have KFC yeah. games. Billy covered that one, uh, like the dating kernel dating sim. Thing. Oh, yeah, that was oh, oh that yeah, was... yeah, 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 yeah. So, it's like they are leg- a legit gaming company. KFC has a legit gaming influence. I just don't know how big it is.
3: Yeah, it's uh, I do remember that now. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it's a total toss up as to like what kind of operating system it'll have. Mm-hmm.
0: It's because they don't have a, a Microsoft partnership, so clearly if they ship it with Windows, they're they're buying the licenses separate from this. Yeah. So that's why I just don't know if it's going to run Windows or if it's going to be some custom Linux build with Steam on it or what.
3: Maybe they'll have their own, um, you know, some Linux build with Steam, and then the, you can also access the KFC version of Steam, which has two games. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's it's such there's so many questions regarding this thing. That's why it's so fascinating yeah. and it's such, such good uh, marketing mm-hmm. and like their, um, their trailer that they produced was so over the top and ridiculous. Like, and but it like it just totally plays into what this thing is. It's like momentous achievements in human history, like never stop pushing forward. Here's an mm-hmm. obelisk. Here's a space. Here's all these, you know, stock photos we bought and stock, video we bought from iStockphoto.com and mm-hmm. you're going to love this and gears and movement and stuff and no information. <laughs>
0: right. I know. That's exactly what I said. I was like, so what, we got Death Stranding clip in there? No.
3: <laughs> yeah. So I was just like, why what, oh. what the hell? You know? So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's, uh, it's uh, an amazing time to be alive.
1: hmm
0: I guess the next question is, does McDonald's come out with the Arch 360 or like uh, you get the the Burger King games come out and it's a crown-shaped console next? I don't know.
3: Yeah. I've always felt that um, KFC, Burger King, Arby's, you know, even Wendy's to some extent being the the underdogs of, you know, compared to McDonald's, Mm -hmm. have always lent themselves towards crazier levels of publicity, right? So like the, the Wendy's... Twitter is like just wild. Um, You know, same thing with Taco Bell. Um, You know, you mentioned earlier that Burger King made the sneak king games and the cart games and, you know, their commercials are a lot crazier. And and same thing with KFC. They're crazy. Their commercials are crazy. They're like trying to be, you know, you're on the Vegas strip and you're trying to be the brightest light.
0: Mm -hmm. I still am impressed that Burger King released games that ran on the 360 and the Xbox right out of the box.
3: They weren't terrible games either. I mean, they were, pretty okay like the novelty was there for sure
0: Mm -hmm. they're like a dollar or five dollars at most i think i don't remember exactly yeah well
3: you got it from burger king didn't you
0: yeah you could go through the drive-thru and say i want these games and
3: (laughs) i think so i've seen them in like like a lot of um like uh thrift stores and stuff they pop up quite a bit Mm
0: -hmm. i've still got my original copies of them
3: yeah i got
2: my buddy had them i never got them
3: there were three of them. I have Sneak King and I have the Cart Racer, but the Kart Racer, like the mechanics are good, but the, the courses are um they're
0: too rigid, they're too um squared off.
3: Yeah, they're they're kind of a bizarre combination of that, and sometimes they're just like like I remember playing this one where there were just so many multiple paths that some of them just led to nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> like something like that, where it's like it's very hard to tell where you're supposed to go. Like that's true. There's nothing that outlines the track well. No, it's just kind of like a free for all. You go in whatever direction, you hope that you get to the end.
0: But I love the marketing in there, like give the beef, and like literally on the pamphlet there.
3: <laughs> yeah, like it's um, <laughs> it's
0: pretty crazy. Like I hope the KFC console. Uh, this is for you, Colonel. Um, if you release this thing to the general public, it better come with like a month free of KFC
3: or something. <laughs> you know what? That would actually because it probably would be like an expensive console, as we mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. So if there were like other incentives,
2: yeah, it's like Game second. Pass but with chicken, chicken pass, <laughs> chicken, chicken, chicken
3: pass, chicken yes. pass. Yes. Oh my gosh.
0: You pay like twenty bucks a month for access to certain <laughs> Steam games, and you also get a free meal from KFC every month. Yeah.
3: <laughs> when is the last time you guys have had KFC?
0: It was earlier this year. It's like a, okay. once, a
2: once a annual thing for me. Okay. <laughs> uh, as soon as they get rid of the potato wedges, I stopped going. That's what really? I, what I liked.
3: <laughs> it's been—it's probably been a year and a half or two years with me. I stopped there with my son pre-COVID, but before that, it probably been like ten years. Like every once time. in a
0: while, my father-in-law gets a hankering for KFC, and we get it on a Sunday when we visit them. Okay. Every yeah. once in a while, not very often.
2: Yeah, it does, I lived it in does... Missouri for a while, so you know there you get Chick-fil-A, not KFC.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's uh, I recently got Chicken Shack, which was pretty tasty, but like last not okay right. yes
0: how much if they sell this thing like wide widespread what do you think it's going to cost
2: i don't know does it come with a cleaning kit for the inevitability of the grease that gets all over it <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's, I don't know. it's so hard because i i can't believe that they're going to sell this as like an actual thing it's not just gonna be like a a small batch so i would say three rand. i mean if it's not just promo and it's not just for charity stuff, then three grand, I would say.
3: Um, I wonder if, because everything's hot-swappable, if what they're showcasing here is the Premiere version and you can get different tiers down in terms of pricing. Or if they have some pricier thing, but then, like we mentioned, they incentivize it with some sort of KFC membership or something like that. <laughs> um. Because again, with the components, are very expensive. I'd lean towards three grand, but it's an impossible price. You can't sell a console for three grand. You can. What if it's sometimes... a monthly
0: thing? What do you mean, like? Like they sell it like the Xbox Game Pass with the Xbox Series X for like thirty-five bucks a month. Maybe it's fifty bucks a month.
3: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends on what it could do. I mean, I would, I would hedge towards it is a grand. And they have different versions of it. And if it's more than that, they incentivize it somehow with maybe like you said, like financing or something to that effect.
0: Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's such a marketing stunt, what they're doing is they're gonna give away a hundred of these a month. Yeah. And they that'll get people going to KFC thinking, Oh, I got you know, one in a million chance of getting one of these KFC consoles if I buy a chicken today.
3: Yeah, yeah, that probably actually could be it. And then they'll go back because they'll need chicken for the warmer. So <laughs> yeah. It's all sort plan.
0: So my guess is uh, twenty five hundred for the base model, and then they, maybe they scale up to
2: five thousand. Can you only put KFC in chicken in it, or like other things too? Could like warm up like French fries or other things? I don't Blossom. think
3: it's, I don't think it's discerning whether what kind of food you have <laughs> in it. But uh well, it's like putting buffalo wild wings in there? I know.
2: And it just shuts
0: off. Like nope, you failed today.
3: It, it, <laughs> it, can, it can scan for the herbs and spices. <laughs> it finds the barcode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, anything else you guys want to say about this thing?
3: Not really, other than I'm just insanely curious about it.
0: I want Spawnwave to do a, a, a teardown. <laughs> <laughs> we got the KFC console time for the yeah, teardown.
1: Oh
2: <laughs> All right. Well, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. I'm Tony. And we will see you. On next Crowcast. Oh my gosh, I almost screwed up.
0: this is the Krillcast. i'm chris and i'm will
3: i'm tony from the hard for games channel
0: and uh, elevator speech tony before we talk about punch and pie
3: uh, i again like i said i'm from hard for games we do a lot of preservation work gaming archaeology a lot of things that weren't released or could have been that type of content trying to preserve lost media trying to find it preserve it dump it and uh, get it out into the ether. Also cover a lot of ROM hacks and just retro gaming in general. You can find us on YouTube.
0: Absolutely. And he just unboxed a $10,000 Xbox One X. Very and cool beautiful. stuff. It yeah. is beautiful.
3: It's sitting next <laughs> to me right now. And I'm, it's all packed back up. And I'm just still scared to death to even have it in my house.
0: More like... on <laughs> <laughs> a... yeah, more other cool obscurities and VHS tapes preserved. Go check out his channel. But we're also going to be checking out a different channel today. And if you Mm – this is our Tuesday episode. I know we're filming these out of order, so it's a little confusing. But the episode tomorrow will be our interview with the guy at the bottom of the screen here. So Mm -hmm. definitely check that out tomorrow. Uh, So Punch and Pie, this is a guy we've had on our channel before, and we're going to be reviewing his channel. So he currently has 2.09K subscribers. a little higher than what I had when I wrote the outline. His channel is created on July twenty fifth, 2017, and he has – See how many views, 293,051 views. His description of his channel says, hey, all welcome to Punch and Pie. My name is Jordan. Just your typical, every nos- overly nostalgic product of the 80s and 90s. Grew up in the 8-bit and 16-bit era of gaming. So I have real love for the retro stuff, but I'm also a modern gamer. You'll find a perfect balance of that here. And it says Jordan, oh, this is uh this is something he doesn't really do anymore. Join Aaron and I for horribly unplayable, where we play some of the worst retro games, mm-hmm. or I punishing ourselves with strange pop-tarts. Bring those back to the channel, Mr. Yeah, Punch he definitely Pie. should.
2: Those are enjoyable.
0: You will also find that his wife and daughter make an appearance every now and again. That is still true.
2: So they All must right. be on every episode, right? <laughs> it's every now and again.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, every episode. All right. So Here's my description of his channel since he obviously hasn't updated his description in like, you know, since he started the channel. Um, So, what's Punch and Pie is known for? A, uh, go check out our interview with him. Punch and Pie has something to do with South Park. That's all I'm going to say about that. Find out in the video interview. I am going to talk
2: about that. I'm not going to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: fine. Talk about it. Um, Super into gaming and technology. He even reviews like Mac Minis, those kinds of things. He reviewed used to review pop tarts quite frequently, which we talked about just now a second ago. But puts out the occasional vlog type video, like he did a gingerbread house, house with his daughter. I think a little bit ago. Um, He's very active within his, the community that he's built, including his Discord and his live streams where he's talking with the audience, which is pretty cool. And he's a pretty fun guy to talk to after we you yeah, know, spent was. like three and a half hours online with him doing our podcast and talking about N64 Mini and why that probably never will happen. but <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> so what do you guys think his oldest video was? Don't look at the script and cheat or do? Yeah. I don't really care. I don't <laughs> oh, I, 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 I
1: never watched looked. It.
0: Yeah. GameStop hates collectors. That was his video. 15 seconds, it was about essentially, you know, why products in GameStop don't have, like, full boxes and art and manuals and the DS games, basically, how bad they are sitting in the GameStop list. Like, I just kind of cringe every time I walk in. I see that they're just all laid out there with no box.
2: Like, I get oh. so many, like, dirty looks. Like, and not all the time. There's some really good GameStops by me. But uh, when I ask for the actual case, it's like, <laughs> do you have the actual case for this game? <laughs> And they're like, ah, maybe. And then they go look for it. And then it's like, (laughs) you not everybody ask this? Like, why would anyone want the generic case? Right.
1: Yeah.
0: So his most popular video is a Switch Pro controller video. And he's always like, like, anybody can make this video. I'm not really happy that this is my most popular video. But, you know, reviewing stuff like this is something that people are interested in. Mm -hmm. Because it's a $26 controller that claims to be pro. And from what I understand, he really likes this controller now. So... Yeah, at least it got him a good controller for his Switch for mm-hmm. a decent price. Making this yeah, he, video,
3: he's not going to like my advice if he said that he doesn't like making that type of video.
0: <laughs> he does, but he doesn't like because it because yeah. it costs him money every time he makes these videos. And I can understand that standpoint. Like, sure, when yeah. I buy things, I only want to review things that I'm going to buy anyways. In mm-hmm. this case, he wasn't necessarily going to buy this without making the video, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So,
0: anyways. Yeah. Moving forward from that, um, what do you guys like about the channel and uh, the layout, whatever you guys like about it? We can talk about his logo, which recently changed, if you want, or anything else. What do you guys like? Well, uh, I, I
3: guess like, go first. Oh, uh, well, I—I I, I mean, you mentioned this, but he just seems like really like a happy guy. Like he seems mm-hmm. like genuinely like he just wants to have some fun and whatever. It's like let's have some pop tarts. Let's review this. Let's, you know, like it's—it's just. Uh, He just seems like he's really enjoying himself. And sometimes, you know, with like creators that are just kicking out content, kicking out content like they I think they lose a little bit of that, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but he seems like he's just like smiling and having a good time and doing what he loves. And like I I hadn't really watched I'd heard of him, but I'd never really watched his content prior to this um, prior to me researching for this. But uh, I enjoyed it because it was just, you know, it was just like hanging out with a buddy is what kind of what it felt like to Mm
0: -hmm. me. All right, Will. Now yeah, you can that same line. No, I'm just
2: kidding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, I mean, I didn't have much more that like I just think he's really genuine. And you know how you have people who have those faces that you really want to punch? He ex- has the exact opposite. <laughs>
0: it's
2: like I don't know what it is, but there's What's like where you
0: you're gonna go with that Will. Yeah,
2: no. I was thinking about like you know, just letting it hang there for a little while, but no no no. Uh you, when you watch it, I don't know. Like when he smiles, I smile automatically. I'm not totally certain why and it just he's enjoyable enjoyable to talk to when you came on the podcast and his content is also enjoyable. Sometimes it's topics that like I wouldn't have watched uh, if someone else had done it and I would watch it because he's doing it.
0: So I just love that he's willing to dive into things that I find interesting that a lot of other creators won't and then for example, like the Mac thing, he's like, "I just did it because I wanted to. I don't care if anybody watches that video." And I was like, "That's cool." Like, you know, I I don't know uh, yeah. all that many content creators willing to cover something that nobody's gonna watch, but he's like, "You know what? I liked it, so I'm gonna cover it." So like like this Mac Mini 2014 teardown SSD upgrade. How many people on his channel are coming here for this content? Probably not as many as are coming there for the Switch and his streams and his other stuff, but he still covered it because he wanted to, and I respect yeah. that. Yeah. I also have heard this from, uh, believe it or not, uh, he got a shout out from Review Tech USA early on in his channel. And he was compared to RGT85. And I can kind of see that a little bit. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I could, I could definitely see that as well.
0: So, what do you guys think that he could improve upon? Since you guys already said everything I was going to say, I don't, I, don't <laughs> I really like Jordan's
2: content. I yeah. don't know how else to say that. It's a problem with covering people you really like. It's like, I like everything about it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, wrote some things, I kind of took a different approach. Um, Mine was kind of more SEO based, actually, which I thought would maybe be different from what is normally recommended. Um, But aside from the SEO stuff, which I'll get to in a second, um, I I did, you know, if you sort his content by the most popular, it's his product videos, Mm -hmm. right? His review videos of, of products. So obviously, you know, you don't want to be spending a ton of money every month, buying a bunch of stuff that you don't really care about. But You know, if he wants to bring more people to the channel and then have them get, you know, notifications regarding his other content as well, he could up the number of product videos that he does, you know, when it makes sense to do so. Um, And he may also be able to reach out to companies that, you know, they might, I mean, I... People reach out to YouTubers, like marketers, they represent various companies and, you know, ask for reviews and stuff. So those people exist if you can get onto their radar a little bit with products that he feels, you know, that he genuinely is interested in anyways, then he could be bringing more traffic to his channel that could lead to, you know, uh, more funds and traffic to his his pet projects.
0: Now, how about the SEO stuff that you were going to bring up?
3: So that's probably a little more interesting than what he didn't want to hear. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so with YouTube, he does this sometimes, but so for example, um, I'm just going to go in the random order that I wrote these down, but you can have up to 10 hashtags up to 10 or 15 hashtags in your description. And YouTube prioritizes the first three. So he has this in some of his videos, but not all of them. He wants to, he should go back through all of his videos and add them all in. Mm -hmm. Um, And hashtags are more like not what someone would search. Those are tags, but subject matter. That's hashtags. So, again, sometimes he does it, sometimes he doesn't. Um, I would just make sure that he does every time, just because YouTube is looking for that. Uh, With his, his descriptions, he sometimes has the description of the video up top, and other times he has, like, promotional stuff up top. YouTube prioritizes the first couple sentences, like a certain number of characters of the description first, and then deprioritizes as you go down. So you want to have non-promotional stuff like join my Facebook, join my YouTube, you know, subscribe or whatever. You don't want to have that at the top. You want to have what your video is about at the top. And that'll help with the search uh, functionality, like, the, the you know, the, the search engine on YouTube, and also, you know, of course, obviously, the search engine op- optimization SEO. Um, So basically just like the most powerful description you can have. And it's also easier for the users to be able to see that. So if you post something like that to Twitter, you're going to get a description of the video instead of promotional stuff,
1: which is easier
3: for a Twitter user to be like, what is this about in a nutshell beyond the title? Um, And then I would also recommend uh, ordering as playlists from current to oldest instead of oldest to current, right? So you wanna constantly keep your front page and your playlist as fresh as possible, especially for your returning visitors. They don't wanna to have to like go through and search and spend a lot of time. And a new visitor isn't gonna care. They're not mm-hmm. gonna care what's new, they're not gonna care what's old, right? So especially if they're just stumbled upon your homepage. So prioritize newest to latest. And um, I try to do these things, I'm not perfect at them, obviously, but, just from what I'm familiar with, with SEO uh, on YouTube, it's not going to make a drastic difference, but it will move the needle a little bit in terms of people being able to find him.
0: So I have a question for you, and this may help him if you answer it the way I think you're going to. <laughs> Does it help your channel to have live streams on the front page that are already done?
3: Um, It depends on what you do. If you're a live stream channel, then... Yeah. Um, If you have a live stream that is particularly interesting, that you feel will really connect with your audience, then yes. Um, I try not to make public every live stream I do, because I feel like it dilutes the other uh, videos. And unfortunately, um, YouTube doesn't punish you for live streaming. They actually like it when you live stream. But if you live stream content that is too unrelated to your channel, your subscribers and the people that get notifications will be notified. But if they stop paying attention to those notifications because they're bombarded with streams that they're uninterested in, they may de- unsubscribe or, or click off the bell like the notification. So I noticed that a little bit when I was doing live streams with my wife. We were doing Animal Crossing, which Mm -hmm. is unrelated to the normal content on my channel, but just something we were doing for fun. And I'm not going to stop because screw YouTube. But (laughs) but I did notice that I needed to space them out a little bit more and not put them on my front page unless they were like really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because it kind of messes with the mentality of your viewers from what I've read and what I've experienced. I don't know if that's going to be true with everybody.
0: So I just noticed that he doesn't unlist any of his live streams. And that's why I asked that question. Cause I know a lot of people that their main content isn't the live stream. They do the live streams consistently. Yeah. We'll unlist them after they're done and then keep a playlist for anybody to go find. Like if somebody really wants to go find it, you can go to a playlist, see all the live streams. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But a lot of people don't leave their live streams public forever.
3: A, yeah a lot of you know live stream content is always going to be better when it's live
0: exactly right
3: so it's it's unless it's like a compilation or a live stream that was just banging you know mm-hmm. like i don't keep have i don't have it public on my homepage. um i mean we even just did a compilation recently of my wife like getting scared of and screaming at animal crossing guests and it was oh, a great one? little video but it totally bombed <laughs> 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 yeah despite the work i put into it um but yeah i mean it's just sort of one of those things like what do you want <clears throat> what do you want your channel to be about so the unfortunate truth of youtube is that they want you to be in a very specific niche which which sucks i hate it and the fact that i don't conform to a niche on my channel is one of the reasons why i'm not as successful uh on my channel but if you want to grow youtube likes it if you do a specific thing so is that pop tarts is that you know live streams is that Mm -hmm. reviews you know or is it like sort of an umbrella with all of them you know um but you got to also balance that with what you want to do you know what i mean yep so i would never tell anyone to be like just review pop tarts just do this or that or whatever no do do your thing man but youtube maybe might be kind of a an ass about it.
0: so i guess my advice since since we've talked this through now is maybe don't leave every live stream up post stream yeah i would consider making a playlist of your previous live streams and maybe unlist them or or if you don't unlist them just don't have all of them on the front page or maybe remove uploads from here as your top thing and put a different playlist that you're constantly updating at the top yeah instead of just straight up uploads
3: a lot of people do uh like your most popular at the top. Yeah. You know, some people do your uploads. Some people do most popular depends on the channel. It's
0: like, we have our music video at the top followed by the newest episode of our podcast. And then like the more special things, you know, yeah. Pop popular, popular towards
3: the bottom. Hey, every episode of your podcast is special. <laughs> every episode hey. is a special, thing. especially
0: the ones with Tony.
3: <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs>
0: but that, that would be my advice is I, I think having uploads here could be towards the bottom and just put your like latest like r- review or, or highly edited video towards the top of your video. It's something you've worked a lot of, a lot of um, editing into and something you really like. Cause a lot of your edited reviews and those types of videos, they do really well with the YouTube algorithms, for example, the switch controller review, and then your live streams do well with your core audience, but not every single person's part of your core audience.
3: Yeah. Also, because I'm sure he'll probably watch this since he has a relationship with you guys. Um, I just want to reiterate that I was sort of explaining how YouTube likes things. Not necessarily how I think your channel should be. I think your channel should be how you like your channel to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just YouTube is, is just a weird
0: environment, unfortunately. Uh, my, my comments are mostly organizational comments.
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just speaking for myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And uh, you know, do do whatever you want on your channel. If you want to go mostly live streams, that's that's I like your live streams. They're you fun. have to do pop videos. A few that's it. I want to see a live stream Pop Tart challenge. That would be fun. <laughs> that
3: actually would be really good. Although I'd be afraid someone would vomit. Like, like a, you have to be on like online for so long for YouTube to kick out the notifications. I feel like you'd just be eating Pop Tarts. Like like so many Pop Tarts. It'd be pretty wild. Although that would be a wonderful live stream. And, watch me smash
0: a thousand pop tarts
3: yeah i mean could you imagine like the entertainment value of that it'd be it'd be killer 24 hour
0: chip stream eating pop tarts
3: <laughs> and i did watch some of his uh pop tart reviews like the one where he's blindfold blindfolded and had to like guess the flavors and like they were pretty entertaining <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: unfortunately with the current uh pandemic it might be harder to get together with his buddy to do that
3: yeah unfortunately
0: all right. Um, so what are your predictions for his channel going forward? We're not making any more 2020 predictions. So let's say June of next year, where will his channel be?
3: Do you mean like subscriber-wise or subscriber what
0: do you— Subscriber-wise, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I guess yeah. you could make other predictions. But we
3: usually just go sub, straight up subs predictions. Oh, Okay. Well, why don't I just go to uh, Social Blade and I'll just cheat real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Social Blade has been like way off on our channel, so I have no idea. Social Blade like gives you you know how they do the future predictions, so they will give you big boosts if you're doing well and then drop it. Mm-hmm. So like they said about a year ago um <laughs> we'd be at uh like 100,000 subscribers in a year. And then six months later, they're like, yeah, you got another year.
0: (laughs) That happened to us with (laughs)
3: 1,000. Yeah, like they're constantly changing it. But I think that he could, by, you know, summer, he could, what is he at, 209? You know, probably he could get up to six or seven, I think. Five or six. If he he focuses on some, like, heavy traffic content and kind of cleans up the organization a little bit and then keeps doing what he loves on the sides, I, I think that'd be... Possible for him? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I right, see right there too. He was he was putting so just for context that video I put up there was his follow up to his ten reasons the PS Vita is better than the Switch video, which oh, got a lot yeah. of a lot of Switch fanboys mad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I would agree with that. I I would I would gain I would say five thousand if he doesn't change anything is doable. But if he really leans into SEO, he could probably go to ten. If he leans hardcore into SEO,
2: right? You will. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think I will be more on the conservative and say like maybe five to six, just because YouTube is a biatch. Sometimes <laughs> doesn't always <laughs> doesn't always like follow the plan. <laughs> um, so planned. No. Yeah, so yeah, I'd say five or six, and we'll see. I mean, I could be completely wrong. Like we've seen people blow up and like within a couple months get like tens of thousands of subscribers.
0: Forge Labs um, is a good example of that. One point yeah. five million from two hundred thousand. Holy cow!
3: He's definitely got the right attitude for it.
2: Mm-hmm. He's
3: got he's got a really good uh, screen presence. So I mean, I yeah. think that like like I think like the um, foundation is kind of set mm-hmm. for him. He just has to, to right hit the
0: job. right the right algorithm luck strike yep
3: yeah kind of yeah i think so
0: yeah anyways punch and pie youtube.com slash p-u-n-c-h-n-p-i-e we'll get you there and check them out and if you like it subscribe
2: oh yeah and also check out our interview because i did not explain the the meaning behind the name
0: (laughs) wait what Behind his name. Oh, Punch Punch. oh, 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 his? I thought you were talking about with Tony. I was like, what are you talking no, no, about? No, 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 <laughs> He explained it himself. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Is it from the South Park movie where they tell people they're gonna be punching pie if they show up to join the resistance? Mm-hmm. I think if, if you, you want to know, you the answer, to know.
0: <laughs> if you want to know the answer, go check out the interview. But Tony, you might be on the right track. Oh, okay.
3: Sorry, I spoiled <laughs> it.
0: Yeah. No, you didn't spoil anything. It's all good. You can figure it out probably by just watching him, I think, actually. Mm-hmm. Anyways, as always, I'm Chris.
3: I'm Will. I'm Tony.
0: And we will see you. A
2: nice krill cast. Bye guys.
0: This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. I'm um, Will. And I'm Tony from hard games And I apologize ahead of time if the audio sounds a little off because uh, Skype and OBS aren't playing well together today, so <laughs> my, my apologies. Um, but before we get into our wildcard Wednesday, Will, Will, give me that uh, nice little... Yes, uh,
2: wildcard Wednesday. Yes. We're having what another we gonna... uh, conversation with the Krillcast.
0: Going to be interviewing, interviewing, interviewing our buddy at uh, Hard for Games, Tony, over here, to tell you about his channel and his time on YouTube on the platform. And before I say too much, why don't you tell everybody about your channel?
3: Oh well, uh, Hard for Games is a YouTube channel that's been unfortunately named, but we've stuck with it over <laughs> the years. And uh, you know, right now we, we primarily focus on a lot of um, recovery and preservation of lost games earlier builds of games and we also dive into the modding scene quite a bit as well so you know someone mods a game or does a fan game or maybe does little tweaks or something like that maybe they're aesthetic maybe it's something from the ground up using the same engine we often cover that especially with n64 uh content and and games and then we do the regular youtube stuff as well uh you know reviews live streams uh you know messing around silly stuff but the bulk of it is is uh, the modding scene and the preservation scene.
0: And uh, I've been a subscriber of Hard for Games since they came on the Metal Jesus
2: show like year, years ago at this point. <laughs> yeah, so it was, a, oh, it oh, was like on,
0: 2016
2: or so. Yeah, yeah. I realize that my uh, my professional account was not was not subscribed to you until today so my personal Uh account was so you have two subscribers i don't know if that really counts (laughs) i'm gonna have to watch everything twice now so yeah there you go
3: (laughs) well knowing analytics (laughs) knowing youtube's algorithm they'll like they'll probably have one employee specifically hunt you down and delete one subscription (laughs) just because youtube i i feel like there's just a team of people that are like this person hasn't watched this person in X number of days remove that subscription. (laughs) Like they're really weird about that stuff like purging people and such it's it's very strange it's a it's a weird environment to do anything and to be honest with you it's abuse it's an abusive relationship <laughs> yes i'll agree with that one holy
0: cow youtube has been an up and down the entire time we've been doing it and uh we're not even close to
2: your adk so <laughs> yeah i don't understand the, the notification system at all like i will be flooded with notifications from a channel like from three years ago mm. one week and then the following week nothing it's like they don't even exist anymore
3: yeah (laughs) we only get notifications for larry bundy's videos i don't know if you're familiar with his channel or not um but like you know hello you you know uh he he does like what is it uh like different like facts and like obscure like facts Mm -hmm. about different games and releases and such but But we have notifications on for a number of different creators and we're subscribed to a number of different creators, but I only get push notifications to my email for his (laughs) stuff. I don't know why. I think it was because we selected to ring the bell before some change happened and then Mm -hmm. every other time we select to ring the bell for anyone else. YouTube doesn't care. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but like <laughs> if I receive a notification from YouTube on my phone, I know that he uploaded a video and nobody else. It's never <laughs> anybody else ever. Hmm. So, um, needless to say, I'm at least very much up on the titles of his videos. I don't always get the chance to watch, mm-hmm. but I'm going <laughs> to test
0: this now. I'm going to, I'm going to put a bell on your channel and we'll see if it works. Hopefully
3: it could just, know. it could just be a weird glitch. I've had situations where, um, I've had an upload fail on YouTube. um, like twice for some reason in one night and i was using chrome and then youtube would not let me upload in chrome for a year <laughs> What? i don't know what it was something about like my ip address and recognizing like me utilizing chrome but i could use firefox i could use any other browser but it just would not let me upload in in chrome and i tried multiple computers uh it just <laughs> wouldn't allow me to use Chrome to upload. And it was just like that for a year until one day I forgot and used Chrome by accident to uh, upload a video. And it worked. And I was like, oh, I guess that like thing is over with now, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, anyway,s that's totally off topic. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, YouTube's a just, weird beast. I will say that. It's very strange, for sure. So uh, what's a good video we should put up in the background and give you some extra watch time while we're doing this podcast?
3: Um. I don't know uh, sh- sh- what
0: about the $10,000? Yeah, Xbox that's
3: a good one. It's kind of like <laughs> an unboxing video. It's pretty looking, you know. Uh little backstory on this. Uh, a buddy of mine, Andrew, sent a $10,000 value Xbox One X Scorpio edition, uh which I have next to me, by the way. Uh Cause I didn't want to return it during the holidays. Cause it was like, mm. I didn't want a chance of getting lost, but right. you know, with the USPS being backed up and everything. But yeah, anyways, it was horrifying and scary to, to look at, but it was pretty cool. <laughs> nonetheless, Cause it was like, so pricey and like everyone in the comments are like, don't do that with it. Don't do that with, don't put a controller on it. Da-da-da-da, like don't breathe on it. And I'm like, Oh my God, please. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. You're yeah, like, no, that that's was, that was a so double wrap-off, you know, whoops. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I wanted to, like, also, um well, normally when I receive an item for the show, I record opening it anyways. Um, but I wanted to record this because I could kind of make it an unboxing video, but also, like, showcase the condition it was in, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. When it arrived, just in case something happened. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it yeah. was just sort of, like, a little, like, extra, like, you know, because sometimes, like, you get something and then, like, later on you notice, like, a dent or something. And you're like, well, what was this here before? And then you look at the video and you're like, oh yeah, that that was there before. It's you know? okay. I didn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. you have those freak out moments because you're dealing with expensive equipment and, you know, and then you're like, oh my God, like, was this here? Was this, you know, was this me? Was that, you know, but it, it, it never has been, but it's just, you know, my, that's kind of how my mind works. I, I like having that double check. Mm-hmm. I completely I understand. That.
0: Yeah.
2: So
3: with that
0: being said, uh, Will, you want to ask the first question?
2: Yeah. Uh, so what inspired you to start your YouTube channel?
3: Um, so it was back in like 2009. I I had graduated college, um, 2008 with a film degree and I was doing a lot of gig work at the time in Michigan. Um, at the time there were some film incentives, so there was actually some reasonable gig work going on. It wasn't great, but it was, it was like enough to kind of get by, like get some money together a little bit and, Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a, a lot of time between film shoots and stuff. It was kind of seasonal. And then a buddy of mine, Richie, uh, had just graduated from U of M with a degree in voice. And he was kind of like very semi employed, like he was thinking <laughs> about going back to school, which he ultimately did uh, to become a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And then there's my buddy, uh, John, who was sort of floating between his education and what he wanted to do in life. So we were just having a lot of time in the evening that we found ourselves playing NBA jam and just messing around with different, you know, games and multiplayer stuff. And I was like, you know, you know, all the, you know, everyone's jumping on YouTube, doing these videos. Like we should do videos. We used to do videos together when we were in high school, you know, of unrelated things, not related to video games. And um, not of any mature subject matter either, by the way, but uh, you know, just like skits and stuff. But uh, so I was like, let's, you know, let's, make an nba jam review you know it'll light the world on fire it didn't um but (laughs) we decided to do it anyways and we just kind of kept kept rolling with it over the years and kept pushing forward uh for better or for worse i guess
0: okay and then so at what point did you guys wind up with the 64 disk drive
3: um, it was, we had done a video called the top five Nintendo, uh, cock teases. And one of them was <laughs> the disc drive, like because it never came out in the U S and it was a very limited run in, in, uh, Japan. So it was funny cause that video actually, many of the items have since been released like secret Amanda two, um, star Fox two, for example. Mm-hmm. But at the time they weren't. And like, cause we were, we were thinking like, Hey, I remember this like disc thing, Like for the N64, like what the hell happened to that? You know, and we started doing a lot of research on it. And eventually I bought a junk system. I got to get my hands up. You can see like the quotation junk system from Japan, which means it probably doesn't work, Uh, but it hasn't been tested. So I ordered it. It was like super cheap comparatively to the other tested systems. It arrived not even in a box, (laughs) just like uh, bubble wrap with some like uh, paper over it and and it worked so then we got into that and then we started just kind of started diving deeper and deeper into like dd related stuff because we're like there's all these games and like this history for the n64 that like we just didn't even know about like we thought we knew mm-hmm. the system really well but it, like all this other stuff had passed us by completely so we we got just sort of super curious and we're almost trying to make up for that like Lost childhood, so to speak, <laughs> even though we lost our childhood because we didn't have the DVD, but it was kind of that idea you know, you were nostalgic for something that never even came out. If that makes <laughs> sense,
0: no, it yeah. totally does. Yeah, do yeah. that's
3: man, like there's I probably better
0: nostalgic for scale bound at this point.
1: Remember,
0: so Scalebound? remember do you remember scale
3: That sounds really familiar. What is that? That's that uh, dragon fantasy RPG no one's the Xbox be supposed to that. uh, supposed to get? Oh. One yeah okay yeah yeah that was like a big controversy when that got canceled if i remember properly about bankrupted platinum games (laughs) yeah yeah i remember that being like a big to-do when that happened people were very mad
0: (laughs) let's see here so the next question is where did the name come from
3: yeah so i i get asked that a lot unfortunately that's not a very flattering story but um so basically. The guys that I a lot of a lot has changed with the people um, like Richie and John and and the people that I work with. But at the time, they were very, very idea oriented. And I was and I was very action oriented. So, for example, if I were to say, all right, guys, let's take a night, come up with a list of names. They'd be like, cool, I'll do that. And then the next day I'd be like, did you do it? And they'd be like, no. (laughs) <laughs> didn't even give it a second thought. And that was a lot of Hard for Games early history was me kind of like pushing to get the work done. But uh had again a lot a lot has changed since that point in time. But um I was the only one who came up with the list. And there was stuff like uh Retrograde and the Megabits, which would almost be like the Ian Ross and Supremes, like you have a person and then like their team, you know. And then there was Hard for Games and I kind of liked Hard for Games because it rolled off the tongue but then it made you think a second later like wait, what did I just say? <laughs> um and so no one, no one had any other suggestions or any other better ideas, even though I had a list of like ten names. And so I'm like, all right, well, let's pick one of these. And then we just kind of landed on hard for games because I guess they just didn't like the other ones. <laughs> and that's just what we like ended up with. I guess I don't know. Like it, it was, um, yeah. It, it's not that great of a story. It's just sort of like a, a monument to laziness, <laughs> really more than anything. Now, what was the
0: reaction of? of your either your friends your in-laws or your parents when you told them the name of your channel
3: um i don't know i think it was i think it was similar where it was like it rolled off the tongue and they were like oh cool and then like it took them a minute <laughs> to like realize you know like what does that mean does that mean what i think it means like and now it's not a really big deal but it's like I don't know. I, I don't remember like their exact first reactions, but every once in a while I go to my wife and I'm like, Oh God, you know, damn it. You know, I, I named our channel hard for games and really damned us. <laughs> for <all of> eternity. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's great. You know, <laughs> she agrees that it was a poor decision, but it is the decision, unfortunately. And that's sort of what we uh, are stuck with. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Alright. yeah um, we can ignore my suggestion for what your icon
2: should be. <laughs> we reviewed your yeah. channel.
0: Do you remember uh you, you commented back, Will said you guys need to take your name more literally and you just set oh, yeah. him up with his faces or whatever. Oh <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah. it's like, oh no, I, I've made him never want to come on our podcast, and then here we are.
2: <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, you do sense. have this, like, the uh, joystick like, in your icon. It, it all makes sense. Okay.
3: I have to explain yeah, that yeah. To I my... mean, there's, it's, it's leaning towards that for sure.
2: <laughs> all right. So um, next question. Uh, trying to, I'm trying to shorten it. Um, so you know, it started off as more of like a, you know, friends gaming channel. At what point did yeah. you decide to like kind of switch to more obscure and hard to find console slash tech? Was it the Nintendo DD, or is it you know before that, after that?
3: Yeah, it was you know it mainly started with the DD, and then I ended up getting a um, a dev console, and that was kind of like my my white whale, like my holy grail sort of thing, and like. I ended up getting it. And then we realized like, oh, like, you know, if we ever find any of these blue discs and then people started reaching out to us, um, like Luigi Blood, for example, um, you can follow on Twitter. He's like a, a vast library of DD and, and Satellaview knowledge. And basically he's like, oh, yeah, like I wrote this program. You can dump uh, games with it. Yeah. And there was that. And then people started contacting us about other systems, too. And they're like, hey, have you ever done this? Have you ever done that? I'm like, oh, you know, no, but, you know, I guess I could learn how to do it. Mm. And most stuff, if you if you search hard enough, you can find some equipment that, like, it can be used for dumping with the right program. The problem is a lot of it's been discontinued or the, the programs aren't up to date or there's issues with it now or whatever. But, you know, I was able to collect enough of this stuff at the time where I'm able to dump a pretty reasonable library. of of consoles games at this point and it it just kind of like escalated uh from there just kind of trying me to like build my knowledge base and um kind of we just slowly became known as a preservation channel because we were interested in it and people just kind of kept feeding us um content to work on. So it was it's kind of hard to say no when someone's like, "Hey, I have this thing no one else has ever seen before. Do you want to look at it?" Say, so, "Yes, I don't care okay what it is." <laughs> and you're like, "Yeah, I'll I'll take a peek, take a peek and see if there's anything, you know, you can I can I can uh, ascertain from it." Um mm-hmm. and sometimes it turns out to be nothing, and then sometimes it turns out to be something really interesting. You just sometimes you just never know until you get to dive in,
0: basically. Beating the addiction, right? <laughs>
3: Yeah, hey, out? Yeah, you want yeah. to <laughs> yeah, go take a look at this, you know? Um, the on that note, the hardest uh, content to dump. I don't want to say it's like too hard, but it, the setup was initially difficult. It's easier now because I have like better equipment. But like GameCube NR disc. So NR is like the proprietary uh, written format of the, these discs that they use for development and like testing on the consoles and stuff. And Basically, you had to get, unless you had, like, a Wii GameCube writer, which are really rare, uh, you had to get, like, a very specific Hitachi DVD-ROM drive, and then that could read GameCube discs, but then you had to hot-swap in... And and our disc with the GameCube disc and hope your program recognized it was like a mess, like it was like really like weird and complicated crap that we had to go through. So luckily, it's a little bit more streamlined, but it was certainly interesting in the beginning. Not to ramble too much about the GameCube, but either way, no,
0: the GameCube is where I purchased my most expensive item of my entire collection. So I understand
3: what is it? What is that? It's the component cables. The component cables. Oh God,
0: yeah. yeah before the eon gcn stuff came out and all that
3: yeah yeah i mean the component cables i mean they're a thing of beauty it's just they're so they're like three four hundred dollars now or something like that i I think
0: mine for like 210
3: that's a great deal uh, (laughs) nowadays Anyway, i don't know when you bought it but like saying 210 is a great deal for component cables is a weird thing to say but it is it is for the gamecube unfortunately um i mean it was the best of the best and it was really good quality you know but it was just it's just super... still <laughs> rare yeah, yeah. Oh, it is, still is really good quality but um nowadays you know obviously with the hdmi stuff you know you can go a lot cheaper and still get comparable quality so do you know how
0: uh, i just i'm sorry i now i'm kind of going side story here but you know remember when uh metal jesus got the um G, he got the original prototype ones they were putting out the it was the gchds and he broke his yeah with that i had the yeah, exact yeah. same thing happen to me three days before it happened to him Oh, and no. that was what spurred my interest in buying the component cable. Cause I was like, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, um, it's so funny. how like some hardware is just so finicky like that.
3: Yeah. I mean, it, I, I kind of felt bad for everybody involved in that. I actually got that guy's, um, the 2.0 version or 3.0 version. There's the version after that where he had made the adjustments, so wouldn't fry your console. Mm-hmm. But I mean, realistically, if you saw the video of like, uh, Metal Jesus and his team playing like what happened to that GameCube normally wouldn't happen normally wouldn't happen like it was yanked off of it's like stand like it was like yanked and pulled and like ripped and like kind of like tumbled down and stuff so it was Mm -hmm. like you know there's kind of like extenuating or how do you pronounce that there's certain circumstances they would never normally happen and so Mm -hmm. like that the creator of that mod you know uh got i think got a lot of hate (laughs) from that but at the same time he should have tested it a little more thoroughly so Mm -hmm. it's kind of like uh, i I just kind of felt like the whole thing was a little bit cringeworthy
0: unfortunately my situation i will just real quickly say this because my situation was different i unplugged it one time and plugged it back in and it bricked my gamecube
3: really oh, okay One so time. something as simple as that could destroy, destroy it. it okay yeah, and all you have to do if you're not
0: if you were not careful pulling it out and i figured this out after three game cubes <laughs> oh i was like god. i'm done with this <laughs> oh my yeah, god like, i pulled it out very carefully straight and it didn't do anything but if you just even wiggled it a little bit left right up or down too much yeah just done <laughs> just done oh my so god. like clearly it was very volatile when it when it was powered it, up
3: no wiggling left right or up and down. okay Chris. so oh, that, that's, okay. that's that's Clearly a crater issue right there. It was yeah. the inventor of the device that clearly did not do proper testing before it went to market, mm-hmm. which is likely he never not good. It. But Over yeah, likely just never. it.
0: it. Uh, I, I got a really like poorly made version of it from somebody else. And I don't know which is the answer.
3: Yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's, it could it be, it could be, you know, the ones that he tested on, he were less of a mass production sort of thing. And, and then I have, he went into sort of like a semi mass production and then didn't realize there was a flaw in those. I don't know. I have no idea. So but the
0: question I have is do you ever get hardware that is working when it's shipped to you and then dead as a doornail when it shows
3: up? Um you mean like as a borrow or like if I purchase something? Either one. Um it has only ever happened once. Um a buddy of mine who luckily I'm you know, friends with uh, and, and have done deals with in the past, he sent over a, a PlayStation like debugging unit and because <clears throat> he wanted to show me the specific uh, game. And so I could cover it on the show and it just, it would boot, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't spin up mm. like no matter what you put in it, it just wouldn't spin up. Like the motor was dead by the time it got to me. So, I've never had an issue with shipping. I've never had anything break during shipping. Um, at least anything that wasn't already broken, and then it was like repatched up by the owner, and then it shipped again, and the same thing happened, or something like that. But yeah, so there, there was a weird instance where I kind of like, you know, my heart stopped for a brief moment. You know, it was it was like a rare item. But it's not like like you can't can't get another one, but they're kind of expensive, so. I was just like, hey, man, like this thing isn't working. Was it working when you sent it? Like, could it have been faulty and everything turned out fine. But mm-hmm. it was uh, it was a little scary for a minute, yeah, but... I guess you could say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I figured you guys have seen so much hardware. There had to be at least one.
2: So yeah, I'm sorry, I have a jump in before Chris asked this question, but you can go ahead. OK, OK, I'll jump in. No, oh, no I'm good. sorry, I just <laughs> really miscommunicated. All right, so I want to derail a little bit. Um, what is the weirdest thing you've ever received? I know we're going to talk about like you know mm. th- that question in a different way, but like the weirdest thing, not necessarily the most expensive, or the coolest or the rarest, just like like you open it up, you're like, what is this? Like <laughs> like somebody
0: sent you tube socks or something weird. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, well, I mean, normally I know what what is coming, so I, I've never been like shocked at anything <laughs> that's that's shown up because it's always been like. You know, at least like whenever anyone contacts us, I, we have to ag- agree to it mm-hmm. for them to to ship it. And I, I have had people ship stuff and very rarely actually just one time in the past uh, without consent, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and wherever we list our PO box, we say don't send us anything to borrow unless you contact us first and we agree to it. Um, so basically, like we did those those Pokemon uh, Center, New York uh, preservations where we had like a writer where you could like write rare Pokemon to games. And someone sent me their games after like long after I'd shipped everything back. I'm like, dude, I can't do anything with this. I just (laughs) shipped it right back. But as far as like weird stuff, um, I don't know. I mean, like there's been some oddball stuff. Like we did a review of the PlayStation PlayStation one stepper, which is like a, a stair stepping unit. And it's like an exercise machine, but it's like a it's like a okay. high quality stair stepping unit that you mm. like and you roam through these like really low poly like yeah there it is through these really low poly poly like blurry worlds, but it was actually like a really well built device, so that was kind of strange um the secret screen for the n sixty four was a little bit strange as well uh and again, I knew what it was going to be when i got it but basically someone had taken a game boy screen attached it to an n64 and then tried to pitch that to nintendo to have a different like screen that games could utilize kind of like a vmu basically the dreamcast yeah for the dreamcast and for years this guy believed that sega stole his idea but in reality he just took Nintendo's parts and tried to resell them to Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, and like a screen within a game has always been a a thing. Hence, there even being a game boy to begin with, Mm -hmm. right? Or like a game and watch or a tiger handheld or, or whatever, you know, and, and a bunch of different people were, were working on something similar, but, um, It was just a very odd item because it was a prototype. Like, it had to be plugged in specifically to that controller and that controller only. It had two modes that it could display. They often glitched out. And it was just very fragile. And it was... I mean, I I can see for multiple reasons why it wasn't picked up. No offense to the creator. He had created some successful peripherals in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I could just... i it was just bizarre it was a very strange item see i could see the the i could honestly see why
0: for like a madden game this would be a cool thing but like there's not enough games that i could think of that would be yeah i I can see why you're saying like there's no way nintendo is going to be like yeah we want that please give it to
3: us now (laughs) yeah you know they, they were they were like you know if you can get some third parties on board with it you know to create games along with it we'll do it which was kind of the nail in the coffin, because it's like, then he has to go out to a bunch, of, then he has to pitch to a bunch of different, you know. Because mm-hmm. they'd also write um, the
0: software for this peripheral that's not shipped standard with the N64.
3: Yeah. The, there's no install base for it. You're having your team create something totally new, you know, for this thing that is in a prototype phase that won't be Game Boy parts when it comes out. You know what I mean? Like, so there there was just like... It'd be like I mean, if the Wii U shipped on.
0: without the screen right away, and then somebody said, hey, we want you to ship this gamepad out, and there's no yeah. games already utilizing the technology.
3: It's just like the <laughs> Wii U ultimately became. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that <laughs> <laughs> barely even use it. But yeah, no, it was just... Um, it was just a very... Like, that little radar dish uh, that just showed on screen there, like, he claimed that that was, like, the original prototype for the secret screen... And that Sega must have seen it years and years prior, but it looks nothing like what he produced. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> mm-hmm, it was yeah. very the whole story was bizarre. Like and and I and I get it, you know, he was trying to pitch his dream and you know, more power to him, but I, I think mm. from an outsider perspective you could just see how strange the device is, you know, both in terms of um like practice and also in terms of what it literally is, game a Game Boy soldered into N64 controller,
0: which would be actually pretty cool to play a game, yeah. With that, yeah. That D pad's kind of nicer than you know the Game Boy Color D pad,
3: so yeah. If it had (laughs) some sort of like real support, yeah, right right, right. but just one of those things, analog pocket, and you're good. But (laughs) you can, yeah, if you can, yeah.
0: All right, so what's your favorite type of content to make? I guess that's a good question to ask now that we've delved into like some of the content you have produced.
3: Yeah, um it it totally ranges. You know, sometimes I get really really excited about a particular item. Sometimes I'm like, you know, I think the audience will like this, like I'm interested in it, but I'm not really interested into in it and and still <laughs> like until my brain mm-hmm. starts kind of turning on it a little bit and then thinking about how i can really make it interesting you know um but it's always a good time whenever i can get other people involved like doing something like this for example or when i can actually have uh people over to do reviews and go over things which i haven't been able to really do much during covid mm-hmm. so one of my main guys john he, he works at um retro taku which is in madison heights it's a video game store probably the best one i've ever been to and i'm not just saying that because it's local but it's a genuinely great store, but he, you know, he has a full-on like, um, what is it? A uh, respirator, and like with the like the the pods and everything, like mm-hmm. a face mask, like he's a hundred percent like covered. But he's still like, as Michigan's like a hot spot for COVID, he's still like, yeah, I don't know if I should come over. I don't want to put your family at risk, you know. And I'm like, oh, I I respect that, you know. So I've just been lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's always mm-hmm. fun when I can get other people involved and do something as a, as a group. Um, but as far as solo stuff, you know, it's totally dependent on the, on the project. If I don't think it'll be fun at all or interesting, I don't take it on. Uh, but just some things are a little bit more exciting than others. Fair enough. I don't know if that really answers your question. It's kind of vague, but <laughs> it's. hard to say I don't know wherever
0: your interests are are headed that's what's that was that's the content you want to make
3: yeah you know um, lately I've been like searching out really obscure VHS and Laserdiscs which is what what I've been excited about and I know that there's a question on here regarding like a holy grail of mine but um, there's been all these rumors of a a German VHS with Earthbound 64 footage Mm
2: -hmm. and
3: All of this, all of the footage that we have is really blurry and crappy. And I just, I feel like if I could get a hold of a tape that has some, I could do a better job of preservation. And I did get a hold of a tape that had, that was Japanese, that I had some Earthbound 64 footage that I preserved and did like a frame by frame render. And it turned out really nice, but it's all footage we've seen before,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: you know, so there's, there's footage we've seen before. There's footage, obviously, we haven't seen before. And then there's footage that it's like we've seen before, but like the, the compression is really terrible on YouTube on, you know, so it's like, you want to kind of do a better job of it. So mm-hmm. I've been, I've been like hunt, hunting this. Don't even know if it exists. <laughs> German VHS. Mm-hmm. Like I've been, I've been picking up like point of sale tapes, previews, this, that and I've come across some really like cool stuff, but uh, nothing with earthbound in it. And then also, someone tipped me off that there is this show called uh, Nintendo Mania, but in, it was in Mexico, so it was probably pronounced a little differently than that, the Spanish. Um, but there's footage of it on YouTube where, like, they're covering E3 well, or Space World one year, and there's some Earthbound sixty-four footage. And I thought, if I could somehow get a recording of that, or like if there's like DVDs sold somewhere or VHS sold somewhere or something, I could do a better rip than that. We'd actually have some quality footage but i've never <laughs> once seen anything from that show for sale
0: actually so... i was thinking about a holy grail i'd love you guys to get and put on your show if you could figure it out um there was actually in development a fire emblem for the n64 and they actually oh, okay. reused a lot of the assets in the gba games for portraits for hmm. the characters and really it was, supposedly it was pretty far along and there is some footage from like maybe e3 showing like some screens from the game okay. uh but it never came out and the reason why was cuz the creator had development I'd uh, had uh, creative differences with Nintendo and left and created huh, a different company right. made Fire Emblem clones on PlayStation that he got seen huh, in okay. the ground for by Nintendo but <laughs> long story short a Fire Emblem 64 was in development that never came out
3: huh yeah, didn't, yeah i didn't cuz i i don't know too much about the fire emblem series i know like a little bit um yeah so i did not know that that would be interesting to find for sure although the chances of that, I mean, that sounds like a real holy grail. Yeah, <laughs> like, find you know, like mm-hmm. deep, deep lore right there. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's possible. You never know. I mean, we found some, you know, not just us, but like, you know, the internet as a collective whole has found some very strange and unusual things over the last couple of years. So you never know what could pop up. It's possible. If mm-hmm. I ever find this thing, I'm to <laughs> so you guys for
0: preservation purposes, because I don't have any way to preserve something like that. <laughs>
3: Well, we would love to. Obviously, we'd love to preserve it um, if we could ever find it for sure. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. Let's see here. Um, I think. uh, No, you didn't ask this question yet. Well, it's your
3: turn.
2: Yeah, that's fine. Do you ever feel burnt out?
3: Oh, yeah. Every moment of every day. (laughs) Every second. Well, I mean, you know, it's funny because before I had kids, I had a job that was very physically demanding. I taught martial arts for a living for about five years and I ran uh, a school as an operations manager. I didn't own it, but I, I ran it and it was like 12 hour days and you're like doing managerial stuff, half of it. And then you're like working out for six hours. So, you know, I would just be like, so tired, so tired when I got home and like, it was just so long and stressful and like, It'd be hard to push myself to do hard for games, and then I switched uh, career paths, and then I got more time. But then I started having kids, so <laughs> it's like it's it's kind of a thing where it's like you know his his hard for games really burn me out. Yeah, like on, on some occasions, yeah, definitely. And it's like YouTube is a beast that it's just so frustrating to deal with, um, despite wanting to continue. But with kids, you know, like hence was starting this recording at like nine thirty you know you do things my wife says i do hard for games in the shadows of our lives <laughs> basically okay. you know so it's like you kind of have to make it work despite being tired and being burnt out by family and and all of that stuff um so like as a as a creator i guess it's just hard to put aside other things and make time to have everything still be enjoyable and the best it can be so i think that's the challenge more than like um a burnout specifically from uh content creation if okay. that makes sense oh i totally get it
0: yeah. yeah um especially i can relate with the kid thing <laughs> uh-huh. a lot of times i'm writing an outline it's like 12 30 in the morning it's like oh yeah it's <laughs> still working
3: <Yeah. laughs> well i mean unrelated to hard for games so for example yesterday you know christmas was yesterday uh big day obviously with the kids they're like worn out. They're losing their minds and <laughs> they pass out in the car. We drive home, get my boy to bed. And my daughter, 15 months old, has her first night terror. Which, oh, no. And this, this is shortly after my wife says, OK, we can finally begin our Christmas. <laughs> hang <out there." laughs> mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with night terrors, but my son oh, will yeah. get them. But, but basically, it's like a partial awakening. Like, but it's not like a full awakening, it's like a partial awakening. And you're normally screaming. So mm-hmm. she's screaming for an hour. She doesn't recognize us. She doesn't know who we are for like an hour. Until like we notice she's kind of half like scratching her leg, you know? And then so we like rub in some lotion and that like wakes her up. And then she keeps like going signing more and then pointing to her leg. <laughs> We're <laughs> up to keep massaging her little calf with lotion. And then she starts talking again and then she's fine. So it's like, but it's like you know, we were thinking about at one point in time, possibly shooting that night, me and my wife for a, a review. And afterwards, she's like, it's probably a good thing we didn't start because mm-hmm. we would have been we would have been impossible to continue. Right. So it's just just stuff just gets in the way. I mean, that's a long, complicated story that probably no one cares about. But point is, is that like sometimes you have a zombie child screaming for an hour, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you have to massage her calves because she has an itch. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing that works mm-hmm. and you know hard for games and YouTube be damned because you know what are you going to do yeah I, I I know that my uh, my
0: nephew used to have those and uh, without saying too much I completely understand where you're coming from on that <laughs> he would just scream and, and for like yeah. hours
3: they don't recognize you like no. they're not they're not awake you know they push you away like they're it's really like it's not like dealing with a zombie mm-hmm. it's very, very strange.
0: And that could have but, biased your review. You might have been like, "Oh, this game is great," and then all of a sudden, this game was horrible. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> well, it was going to be a marathon session, anyways, because we, um, I guess we could have technically shot half of it because we were going to be covering a game jam that had like fourteen homebrews. Oh, okay. but you know, like that's one of those things where you kind of want to have some drinks and have some fun and be joking around and like. Mm-hmm kind of have your mind fresh for every single one but yeah now you're right it probably would have affected it It probably would have just (laughs) been game eight this game is garbage move on (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. the poor creator crying in the background
0: (laughs) all right let's see here um since you started the channel do you think you do more or less gaming
3: um i was thinking about that because i know obviously uh you're You know, I don't know if your viewers know, but I have a list of questions that was sent to me. But (laughs) you know, it's weird because my answer is kind of the same as my my previous one, in that like before, um, I was working so many hours, I didn't have too much time for gaming, and then now with kids, it's hard to game. Uh, But I did, you know, I I do find myself being able to game with my son a little bit. He likes racing games and. I got like a steering wheel, and he'll sit on my lap, and we'll go play Outrun Two for the Xbox. And mm-hmm. so I, I think there's, there's, I just have to game uh, differently now. But it has less to do with the channel, really, than it does just life in mm-hmm. general. And obviously, if I wasn't doing a channel, I'd ha- and I had chunks of free time. You know, I probably would be gaming more. But um, it being what it is, I just have to kind of find a way. Um, Although I do obviously do a lot of gaming for the uh, for the channel, but it, it it's sort of like somewhere between work and gaming, if that makes sense. Yeah, I
0: understand that. Mm-hmm. Like if I if I ever stream to Twitch, I always feel like this is not really gaming the same way as if I was playing it by myself in privacy.
3: Yeah, because yeah. you're entertaining an, an audience like, for example, in this video right here, like I look particularly tired and zombified. Like, my hair is kind of disheveled. I'm kind of pale.
0: <laughs> and this video has 130,000 views, so clearly no
2: <laughs> Yeah. Clearly, that's the look we want. Yeah, well,
3: uh, or clearly they didn't come for me. They came for the controller. <laughs> and they just dealt with me to get to that particular uh, controller. But I sure feel like that's the
0: case, that people come to your channel for the items that you showcase versus you for the channel. And, and how does that feel if you do feel that way?
3: Oh, it breaks my heart. No, uh, it. I mean, that is the case to some degree. I mean, there's people that will watch hard for games because they enjoy hard for games. But there are also people that watch hard for games because they enjoy the very specific uh, topics that we'll cover. Like there are some people that will only co- will come if they see as like Nintendo 64 stuff. There's some people that will only watch if it's um, like a like a Zelda mod. You know, or some people that will only watch if it's Zelda beta news, which doesn't come off, come up that often in this past year. It has. But, you know, so it's, it's like there's a lot of people that um, kind of pick their poison with the show, I guess you could say. Uh, and it may be completely unrelated to my presentation of it. My presentation of it, you know, may uh, make them enjoy it more or it might just be cool. Like he gets the job done kind of thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably different for different people, I would imagine. Yeah,
0: probably. Yeah, I pretty much only subscribe to creators that I can I can get along with their personality, because if, if I can't, I don't want to listen to them talk about anything.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would imagine my people that uh, are willing to watch don't find me repulsive. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but I, I, they're at least adequate enough to continue watching, I suppose. Otherwise, they wouldn't be watching the channel at all.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. And yep. And there's a couple times so it's like a really interesting topic, but I click on it. I was like, Man, I really hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's
3: talking about you though. <laughs> no, no, no. I just like
1: right, breaking, my the... heart.
3: <laughs> I'm breaking my heart. Um, right. yeah, I mean, it can be difficult if you don't mesh with uh, the creator, you know, it is what it is. All right, well, you got
0: the
2: next question. Yeah, so what is
3: your favorite moment
2: on your channel so far?
3: um i really enjoyed this uh covering the ultra 64 controller i thought was very uh nostalgic for me because i I grew up with the literature showcasing Mm -hmm. the ultra 64 so that that was really cool um favorite moment i don't know i i think there's you know the pokemon center new york reservation stuff i think was a good moment i think a lot of people appreciated it um I've never been like super into Pokemon, but there was a lot of love flowing out from people that enjoyed those videos because they love Pokemon and they've heard of this Holy Grail item that now they can have these, the the files and save files from right. Mm -hmm. Because of our work. So uh, that was nice because it like, you know, we got a lot of like really nice notes from that and um, people just seemed really appreciative, you know, because it kind of fulfilled uh, like a like a little bit of a childhood fantasy of theirs, basically, to kind of be part of some sort of a Pokemon Center in some manner. So, I'm glitching out over here. I fixed like, you. Yeah. I fixed you. You're good. I okay. fixed you.
2: <laughs> That'll happen, unfortunately.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know if there's like a, a one specific moment, but there's definitely moments I'll look back to and be like, yeah, you know, like that was that was cool. Like we did some some good work on that one.
0: But how much uh, time do you think you spent with that particular video?
3: A lot. Um, there was a long process because I almost didn't take the project on initially because I didn't really know much about Pokemon. So I, I I was like, yeah, you know, I'll do this. You know, I've done you know the normally I'll say yes to like NR discs, the GameCube stuff because I'm like, yeah, you know, it's Pokemon. Like I think people would really like this. I'm just not super familiar with it. So I'm like, but I'm kind of busy. I told the owner, you know, like I and I was at the time. I was too busy to to. Take it on and and like do it reasonably quick. Um so I told him like, oh, a couple months out, and he contacted me again. And he's like, Hey, you want to take this on now? I'm like, Yeah, sure, you know. So I contacted Allie um, and you know, my partner with this, and she's like, Yeah, that's a holy grail, you should hop on that right now. <laughs> I'm like, Oh <laughs> crap. <laughs> I waited three months. Like hey, yeah, whoops. Yeah, but I was just so I was so swamped like at the time that I would have like had the stuff because I had other people's stuff in the house. I would have just sat on it, and but at the same time I felt bad because I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, he sent it over, and it was a whole process because I got everything dumped. But Ali communicated with a bunch of other people in the community. Um, it, we had people looking through the data and coming through the data, and then testing it back and forth like using the writer and like restoring campaigns. And it was like a tedious process to test it on real hardware. So it, the whole thing probably took at least the, like a good amount of attention for a good couple months, at least. Like just
0: um, going on in the background while you guys are doing other stuff essentially the whole time, right?
3: Yeah, because we were there were so many things involved. Like there was the hardware. There were like four or five parts of the hardware and they all did different things. And it was somewhat difficult to explain it like succinctly and then there was the history of the Pokemon Center in general and then there's the history of that Pokemon Center in New York and then there's the different campaigns where you could get specific Pokemon on these machines and then what do the campaigns do how do they work from a technical level What's the difference between the Generation 2 Pokemon and the Generation 3? How do the campaigns differ? Are there lockouts? You know, could you go and just give, spam the machine? Like, you know, <laughs> there is, there were all of these questions that we ended up having to do two videos where we did one where it was like the basics and then one that was like sort of an overflow. And then we also had done two streams on it, kind of fielding questions and then doing overviews. Um, so there was just sort of a, a lot... There was just a lot going on. There were a lot of little moving pieces. And still to this day, people from the the Project Pokemon event research team will contact us saying, hey, we discovered X, Y, and Z about it. Or we're almost on a breakthrough with ABC. You know, we've learned this additional stuff regarding it. Hmm. And, you know, it's something where they also ended up buying the stuff from the owner. And now they get to continuously play with it. So uh, I think they're happy. <laughs> yeah. at the very least. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to ask then one one
0: quick question in regards to that. Um, what is the technical difference between enabling the event using a game shark and enabling it using the Pokemon Center uh,
3: equipment? Do you know if there's a difference? You can enable it with a game shark. Okay, so that's not the same thing then. No, so there's, there's a couple different things involved. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have acid reflux all the time. So I'm like like constantly going. All
0: right, all right. <laughs> oh, my, my has been my friend.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so uh, basically there's the disc and then you put it into your NR reader, which is your development mm-hmm. game. Cube is actually on screen right there. Those are the discs. And that has the campaign. Basically the all the data, the campaign would need to pull from right? okay. all of the Pokemon, the animation, the stuff that functions with the kiosk. Then these are right here that are on screen now are the different um, campaigns, like uh, memory cards. So you have. We're not talking
0: awesome. like Celebi event or those events. We're talking like. I guess I missed this entirely, this video, to be honest with you. And it's oh. 210,000 views and I missed it. <laughs> I don't know how I missed this one, but. Um, so this is a completely different thing from like the Celebi thing for that they did at the Pokemon Center and like the various legendary Pokemon you could get. No, this, this is, is that. This is that. Because I was able to unlock those events with a because they're physically on the carts with a oh, game okay. shark.
3: Okay, so there there are some events on like Pokemon Crystal, for example, where you need to would need to go to a like a Pokemon Center and they would functionally kind of like hack the game to unlock the event, like with a Game Shark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is different because it's not like a campaign within the game. It's a campaign created by the center. promotion where you could go in and on on a particular week and say, okay, here's, this is Celebi week. I'm going in and I'm getting a Celebi or this is monster week during Halloween. I'm going in and I'm getting a monster Pokemon, basically. Mm -hmm. So it would basically be a, it was a kiosk that would just feed your, um, your cartridge Pokemon from the Mm -hmm. center. But there was like a proprietary writer that you would stick your cartridge into. There were the disks. They were uh, two different um, memory cards telling the campaign to do different things, and they all had to work in conjunction with each other. Gotcha. It's probably okay. the, the most succinct uh, way to explain it,
0: I think. So th- these would be essentially, um, you'd have the op- option to have campaigns that don't exist on the card itself.
3: Yeah, all of them were campaigns that don't exist on the card itself. Sorry, I didn't understand what you meant at first, but then (laughs) afterwards, after doing this, I play Pokemon Crystal, and I'm like, why can't I get this damn Celebi, even though I already (laughs) have Pokemon Center New York? I'm like, oh, I need to unlock some some thing with (laughs) and I never bothered.
2: Fair enough. (laughs) All right, let's see here. So this is uh, just random. So when you're receiving all these, like, Holy Grail items, or just items from different, you know, fans, um, do you have a place like you keep them? Cause you know, you mentioned you had kids and I'm just thinking like my niece yeah. broke two of my Xboxes like immediately mm. when she saw it.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anything that's, that's, um, that's like valuable or on borrow is put mm. much higher than my children can reach. <laughs> much further back than my children can reach. So mm-hmm. it's generally put in this room right here. And we're actually converting this room into a bedroom and converting our basement into a, um, uh, office game room but everything that's borrowed basically goes in here goes high up on a shelf and is in its original packaging when Mm -hmm. it's not being used so it's back in the box and the bubble wrap or whatever unless it's being used that particular day Mm -hmm. uh so even if someone did bump into or whatever it would still be in the state it was in when it was being shipped um and aside from that the kids aren't really allowed in here unsupervised just because they're so i have like My lights and stuff that could fall over on them, Mm -hmm. and obviously valuables and computers and whatever. So, I don't want them messing around with it. So, I always kind of keep an eye on them. Otherwise, the the room's sort of shut off. So, there's no uh, Coke in the Xbox situation then? (laughs) (laughs) Coke in the Xbox? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. No.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like I have experience dropping a soda, not Coke, in the drug. Coke in the Xbox. (laughs) i <laughs> was like running the mexican cartel with uh, exactly. the border and xbox is kind of a deal no <laughs>
3: yeah i should have uh like had an empty container and just placed it on something valuable <laughs> at some point but people lose their minds even if you're joking oh, yeah. You're yeah. like and you know you don't want to you don't want to so uh distrust out. yeah yeah you know with people so it's
0: whatever so we kind of have this answer sort of what obscure product would be your actual holy grail is it that vhs tape we discussed earlier or is it something Uh,
3: else probably right now because i I think it's it's something that's actually obtainable you know you can say earthbound 64 you can say for zelda but the chances are those aren't ever gonna happen you know um like it's 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 too it's kind of almost too far out there so i've kind of settled in my life um (laughs) you know And settled down, but with with things that are more obtainable, which I think are like those VHS tapes, or like getting really rare footage of things that I can preserve properly. Um, I don't know if there's anything. I mean, the the only other thing that I could think of, which again would be so far out there, uh, would be one of some of the original builds of Secret of Mana. It was originally made for the um, SNES CD attachment, so they they cut a large portion of the game. A lot of it, apparently, a lot of the assets and such apparently became integrated into Chrono Trigger. So a lot of people will argue, like, oh, well, that's just the other half of the game. It, it's not the other half of the game. Like, they're two <laughs> separate games, you know? Like, obviously, some ideas and places might have been taken, used in Chrono Trigger, but it's not, like, Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger are two halves of the same title or anything like no. that. Um, so, I mean, obviously, like, the probably the closest resemblance is that the, the, some of the protagonists have similar sprites. You know, and then that's about it. But um, like getting a hold of an earlier beta version of Secret of Mana for me would be, because that's one of my favorite titles growing up. So that would probably be my holy grail if I were to pick something more unique, other than what I normally say.
0: Do you have the CDI games?
3: Uh, you mean the 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 Philips CDI games? Yeah. Um, I don't own a Philips CDI. I did have one in house for a while, and I played like the Zelda stuff and the the Mario stuff. And you know, I'm kind of curious about the remake of the fan remake of the mm-hmm. the two Zelda titles that were not the top down one.
0: Right, right, right,
3: right. It's kind of just things, something I've tinkered with, but never really shown a lot of love for, it, to be honest with you.
2: <laughs> and
3: <laughs> there
0: the, They're the um... terrible. <laughs> There was somebody said that there was a development a unit with the CDIs. And they, they were like trying to find developmental Zelda games on the CDIs, but the, most of them have been wiped clean. I think okay. Adam I think Adam Korlik had one in California. One of his friends had one or something, and they, they checked it out. There's nothing on it. <laughs> so who knows? But there might be something out there where they had some of the uh, Zelda developmental uh, units for those games somewhere
3: think any of those i mean maybe it's different with the development development units but i don't think any of those units had any sort of hard drives or anything where you could store games i'm not sure
0: i i do know this um if you want if you want to find out more you can go to adam's video he had they had one of the dev units there and it had um some slots that were missing so he he wasn't sure if Hmm. meant to house a hard drive or what but
3: maybe there was something that was akin to that day and age version of like flash memory or whatever and mm -hmm. Maybe
0: I don't know, but so uh, clearly the CDI games are not something you care about.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's something I, I I've covered them on the channel, you know. Um, I've always felt like remorse regarding them. <laughs> like so, for example, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that was cleaned up in the, it's apparently cleaned up in that remake, I would have loved to see the original games have. Or like uh, Zelda's Adventure, the top down is very similar to a Zelda game, mm-hmm. but it just needs like two or three tweaks to make it like more playable. Like I, I played it, I probably, pro- play, I probably played it for like two, three hours in the past. And it was like, okay, it was better mm-hmm. than the side scrolling ones. But if it, if that were to be remade, you know, if you could cut down the loading times, every time you move a screen, it loads. So it's mm-hmm. like, if you could cut the loading times to like near nothing, and then add a couple extra buttons for items and such, So you don't have to like menu hop so much Mm A little bit of hit detection tweaks, add some music. (laughs) Like, I think you'd have a pretty decent and playable Zelda knockoff if you could add those three or four tweaks. But Mm -hmm. as it stands, it just is not, you know, it's like it's a missed opportunity.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess I I guess we can move on from the Zelda stuff. But the only other thing I would say is, you remember when the Wii U was coming out and they demoed that weird that maybe it was the was it the Wii or the Wii U where they demoed like a Zelda game that looked really like kind of dark and hardcore? No, was it the
2: GameCube? It might have been the the
0: GameCube.
2: Yeah, it was the game that they demoed before Wind Waker. Yeah,
0: Yeah. but then I would be curious what that was based on if they if they had
3: something. Yeah there was a there was a Wii U demo where uh he link goes into a castle and fights um what's the spider's name goma um it is goma, yeah, but it wasn't like dark like I think what you are thinking about is the, is the gamecube one this is yeah. pretty dark
0: that's the Wii U demo,
3: yeah, this is the Wii u one
0: i mean it's, it's not dark like physically dark contrast wise but it, it it's more of a gritty look. realistic.
3: Until. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So were, you, were you talking about this one or you talking about the game? Yeah, game
0: this one? is the one I was talking about. Oh
3: okay. oh, okay.
0: I would be curious what they were running this on and what it actually was. You know what I mean?
3: It would certainly be interesting. It probably, I mean, I, I think there was also a mode of this where you could, like, run the debug camera. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know. Like, it probably was just something built as a demo. Like, I don't know if it was ever part of a game or like it was ever supposed to be the style of a game. I My suspicion on this was always that it wasn't anything that was uh really meant to be anything else. Mm-hmm. When it Nintendo out. has like
0: a history of doing this, you know, it's just like frustrating. You see these really cool yeah. things. It's like, we're not going to make this.
3: Why not? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, this would have mm-hmm. been cool, but instead they spent like a million years developing Breath of the Wild, which I probably would rather have than whatever this is. Mm-hmm. But it is it is very strange that they they just like <laughs> 180 so many so often with their demos <laughs> although i do remember when the wii u was coming out and like oh reggie reggie was trying to push it as hard as he could he's like i think it was jeff Keeley was doing an interview with him so he's like oh yeah you know got the hd now that box is checked and he's like yeah but when it releases it'll already be behind Current consoles, and he's like, "Oh, it doesn't matter. Got that HD check." Yeah. And he was like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, what the hell is this?" <laughs> and I remember like them doing like these demos of like birds and trees and stuff, and being like, "Yeah, I mean, this looks okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like it looks all right. Nothing special. Mm-hmm.
2: It's just yeah, but Nintendo's never really been the most powerful, and it seems to work for them. So they probably like whatever. <laughs> it's, it yeah. has a Wii in the name."
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean they were in the SNES era. You know the, the SNES had its a uh, little power to it. The GameCube was more powerful than the PS2. Yeah, that's
1: fair. That's fair.
3: You know, um then 64 was more powerful than the PlayStation, but it was held back by other you know its cosmic technology yeah. and stuff. But they, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they probably saw the low sales of the GameCube, and they were like, oh well, we were more powerful than the PS2. It didn't matter, you know, for shit. So <laughs> they probably just didn't care <laughs> after that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Wii was anemic when it came out and it sold 100 million units. They are like, whatever.
3: <laughs> yeah, they probably just took that model and were like, well, screw it, you know. <laughs> Underpowered hardware is the future.
2: <laughs> All right, well, you got that next question. <laughs> yeah, uh, so what are some of your favorite content? Oh my goodness, I can't speak. What are some of your favorite content creators here on YouTube? I wrote a list. Oh, okay. oh. you're prepared. Usually, you like yeah. <laughs> people
3: have no idea what to say. Let me let me scroll down. to My Should be like, uh, and Adam's
0: fresh on my mind because he's just on our channel. But I didn't even read the script, guys. That's what he said to us.
3: <laughs> Way to be prepared. Yeah. I don't like... uh, so there, I mean, there's a lot of YouTube creators that I watch, and a lot of them are are bigger. But I I think I'm not going to mention those guys just because I'd rather spend a little more time on on the smaller ones. Um, mm-hmm. So John Riggs, I think he just hit 100k. Uh, he was a Metal Jesus collaborator, yeah, yeah. LID, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. And oh, he does a subscribe. lot of really great YouTube stuff. did
0: weird things to us. I was subscribed. He said YouTube did weird things to us again. I'm unsubscribed. <laughs> oh, I, was I
2: was subscribed. I thought you said John Riggs did weird things to us. Like, what are you talking
3: what exactly, about? You, what exactly did he do? <laughs> no, but um, he
0: did say he wanted to come on the podcast like forever ago, and he still hasn't. So we got to make that happen.
3: Yeah, he's he seems like a, like a really genuinely great guy. He does these um, lists now where he just rates everything from a particular publisher on a particular platform. And it's just like these quick, like, boom, 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 boom. You get a lot of content in one video, a lot of, like, reviews, just as quick opinions on games. And it's, like, it's really addicting. So I've been watching a lot of that lately. Um, Retro Alley, uh, she was the person I worked with on the Pokemon Center New York content. Mm -hmm. Um, She had been on our podcast when we were doing a podcast, which we don't really do regularly anymore. Uh she's mostly on Twitch, but she has a pretty good YouTube presence as well. We've done a number of collabs related to Pokemon related stuff. Um, and she's great to work with. She has really good content. Uh, she's meticulous in her scripting as well, which is I appreciate because I'm a really anal person when it comes to like prep. <laughs> yeah. And I, I get the feeling that she is too. So I think we mesh well in terms of uh working together because we'll be like, just kind of jamming on a, a Google Doc together, trying to get stuff done and, you know, shooting ideas out there. So um, I definitely recommend her. Uh, Lady Pelvic is another person that I, I've worked with in the past. She does great content. Uh, a lot of it is JRPG oriented these days. Um, but she she's just does excellent takes on the games. Really good content in general. Um. Not to mention she's more fabulous than all of us combined. (laughs) Like like, the way she picks her wardrobe and makeup and just everything like the background is is like very well pieced together. Um, How much time do I have? I don't want to spend forever on this, but um, you can spend
0: however much. This is your interview. You can spend as much or as little time as you want on it.
3: Uh, Well, another another female creator that I watch a decent amount of is, uh, is Bob Dunga. How do you spell that? D U N G A.
0: Okay, this is the person. Okay,
3: yeah. So she's really funny. Her editing is—it was actually John Riggs described it as like a like a female Scott the Waz which huh. he's like he's like I hate to compare her to him because it's kind of like she's not copying him by any stretch, but it's just like the editing is like quirky and funny and it bounces and it like she spends a lot of time. Um, making the editing perfect,
1: mm-hmm.
3: so like they're they're really fun watches. Like she did a a video on like the nude raider scandal. <laughs> um, she covered like Barbie games and stuff, and like stuff that you like you don't really hear about a lot. Um so yeah. she really
0: plays. She really plays the part when she does these things. Yeah,
3: she, she? she's a hundred percent in, and like that's um, like you could just tell that she's a creator that. If she is, she definitely does not show that she's burned out on YouTube. Like, she brings 100% of the energy, which is is always good. Uh, Sega Lord X is another one that I've been watching a lot of. Um, He focuses on retro stuff, mostly Sega stuff. Arcade, um, Genesis, just, I don't know how to, like, sort of peg his content beyond that, but he just does really, really solid, um, informative, opinionated reviews. I think I've watched
1: Sega-based.
0: a couple of his. I think this one specifically. I watched why this why Sega Saturn failed, which is the most popular video. Which is, by the way, I've seen mm-hmm.
3: it. Yeah. <laughs> he just has like a genuine love of of Sega, and it's just like it just it shines through in his in his um videos. Um. So another one that I watch, who does not upload at all is uh mastercast tv he is a snarky s o b this is the first one right there Just and there. okay yeah the 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 first video is actually like a trailer for like a little indie movie he's doing but he covers a lot of Jaguar stuff a lot of 32x stuff he like spent time going over all of the um scooby doo games yeah. <laughs> like snes and genesis and n64 and, and he only like up, uploads like every couple of months i hopefully with a, with covid he's okay cuz he hasn't uploaded in a while but um he's just like really funny and snarky and irreverent and um <laughs> just does not care about youtube's algorithm he just cusses up a storm but not because it's like funny but like you just get the impression that that's who he is mm-hmm. like you know he just doesn't give a damn uh so that you know i watch some of his stuff and then lastly um i had on my list second opinion games who is similar to mastercast only in the obscurity of the stuff that he covers like just some weird stuff and goes really deep into it so sometimes like you're looking for something that just is like bizarre like no one else is covering Mm -hmm. and and second opinion games is is uh good for that
0: is, is she the host or is this
3: somebody else uh no it's a it's a guy let me see if I can find it. I'll send it to you but us see here so this isn't the right channel mm, let me look it up I think that is <laughs> maybe maybe
0: she's uh part of the channel too oh this yeah this is
3: this, is, this is the channel I just think that uh maybe that's as Wife or girlfriend. I haven't seen that particular video.
0: Hmm.
3: Okay. yeah, I got confused.
0: You're saying he, 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 he and I see the. um
3: Yeah, I've actually never <laughs> seen her on the channel before. Maybe I'm just. <laughs> it was from a week ago. So maybe that's why. Yeah, well, she's she a, maybe a two she or three. Yeah, she's a couple of them. But this is the
0: this is the guy I'm assuming right here.
3: I think so. Every okay. video I've watched of him. It's just voiceover. Okay. Okay. So okay. It, that very possibly is him. I apologize if he's watching. I don't know, <laughs> but I do enjoy. That is him. I enjoy the content. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. All you might right. have to <clears throat> edit out some of my acid reflux coughs here.
0: If you got to go take some tums or whatever, you know, you just let me know. We take a break, but uh, there's only one more question on this segment. So sure, let's get sure. it real quick. Uh, is there anything that we missed that you would like to cover about your channel, and/or do you have any questions for us?
3: Um, you know, I left that one blank. <laughs> in my, in We're my not life. that
0: interesting. You got no questions for
3: us, <laughs> Absolutely none. So, I was trying to think about. I was trying to think about that. I'm like, I don't know really what else about myself I want to say. Um, but I like what you guys are doing. You guys had some have had some really interesting people. So I guess uh, my question to you would be, how do you how do you source your guests?
0: I look at the subscriptions I've had over the last two decades, and I say, I haven't had this person on my channel yet. Yep. I think I should reach out to them on Twitter and see if they're willing to come on the show. Gotcha. I would say yep. seven out of ten people usually
2: say yes. Okay. Yeah, and it's then same pretty, thing for me. Like, I've reached out a couple people, and it's just because I've been listening to them for years, and that's it. Yeah.
3: You know, that that's the thing is, like um, – <clears throat> It's. I think a lot of people on YouTube are like, "Oh, you know, I wish at least when I was when I was younger, like, oh man, it'd be so great if senpai would notice, you know." <laughs> <laughs> but all people really have to do is just contact them, <laughs> and like mm. with with something, you know what I mean. So it's just like, like, hey, how's it going? Like, I like your stuff. Cool, I appreciate that. Thank you. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing this thing. Would you like to be a part of it? Well, then suddenly there's something. Mm-hmm. bring something table, right? Yeah, and like you know, you can't accept every offer, but it's, you know, it, it's uh at, at least there's like kind of something to communicate and talk about there. So
2: that's <laughs> good. I was, yeah, every single time I'm always surprised. I'm like, why do they want to come on? And why do they want to talk to us?
3: <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Something, you know. No, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I, you know, I saw that you guys. How I learned about it, is that you did that review of my channel. You had nice things to say, you know, and some some good critiques as well. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm why well, waste their time with hard for games? That's funny. Um, so I'm like, okay, they seem like nice guys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll just go we there.
0: We just reviewed uh, channels that we enjoy, honestly. Like it's, it's, and then every once in a while, somebody will notice that we actually reviewed their channel, and they'll comment back. Like the actually, the one that surprised me was uh, Peanut Butter Gamer commented on our video where we reviewed his
2: channel, and he's never talked yeah. to me since. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Well, in the beginning, know. we would review channels that maybe we didn't necessarily know or, or didn't like, totally follow and like. So it was a little bit easier, but like we've been really getting into ones that we really like. So it's always like, man, I have no idea what I'm gonna say. <laughs> so I don't want them to change anything. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. No. I mean, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, it's also a good, honestly, it's good marketing. Is that uh, you know, you you review? I, I mean, that's how, <clears throat> you know, you guys came into my field of view was that you reviewed my channel? I was like, oh, what's you know, it kind of <laughs> it, it's definitely catches the creator's uh, attention a little bit you know and you're like oh like what's going on here you know and then it, it helps just kind of spur some conversation
0: mm-hmm. and the, that was the first time i've ever had games 381 reply to me was when we covered his channel with adam korlick
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. he john's a good guy he's a real good guy have you ever done anything with him i have not i, I am technically um partnered it's not really like a partnership program or anything it's just i i'm i am i have admin access, like light admin access on a site to be able to post hard for Games content. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I have for a couple of years. So we'll communicate now and again with that. And then um other than that, just sort of like little chit chat tweets here and there, you know. Um he's always struck me as a guy with multiple projects who's very busy but also very kind hearted. So I'll reach out and, and say hi here and there, but I, I don't I don't you know, bug him or anything but
0: so when we have him out in february would you want to be a co-host on that episode
3: yeah sure yeah i'd be totally yeah. down for that cool
0: all right cool man well with that being said <laughs> now that we have a, a recorded acceptance letter here no yeah go back now <laughs> uh i just want to say thank you for doing the interview and uh hopefully we'll enjoy the other three segments and you won't say see ya" after this is done
3: <laughs> good hell <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Uh I always take the opportunity to talk ad nauseum about myself, my favorite uh <laughs> subject. Um clearly I'm an extreme narcissist, but no, I you know honestly, uh honesty, I, I do appreciate you having me on and, and getting giving me the opportunity to kind of, you know, chit chat and uh kind of pub the channel as well as uh promote some, some some of the other channels that I watch as well.
0: Sure. Very cool. So, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will.
3: And as sometimes, I'm Tony.
2: <laughs> and we will see you on the next co-cast. Bye, guys.
0: This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris, and I'm Will, and I'm going to talk like a radio announcer this
2: whole time. Yep, you have a face for radio, Chris. Let's go.
0: <laughs> this is throw the throw the throwback Thursday, and uh, if you're watching this episode but you didn't happen to watch Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or the episode tomorrow, Friday, go watch those. We had Hard for Games on. Shout out to Hard Games YouTube.com slash h a r d f o r g a m e s. And yes, it means what you think it means. So, (laughs) this video is our Throwback Thursday episode on RuneScape, and we're talking classic RuneScape. So, I'm going to give you guys some word vomit, and then Will's going to tell you about Will Lore. And No, I'm just kidding. I keep bringing this back. Will's going to make his own lore channel called Will Lore Mm -hmm. for no reason. Um, So, RuneScape, sometimes referred to as RuneScape 3, is a fantasy massively multiplayer online. This is a horrible written thing on Wikipedia. Um, it's a massive multiplayer online role-playing game, MMOR. Don't reveal
2: our secrets. We wrote this. <laughs>
0: Developed and pub- I did edit it. Developed and published by Jagex. First release in January of 2001. 2001, Will. How old were we in 2001? Eight. Nine. Um, <laughs> part of the year nine, part of the year eight, who knows. Um, Rootscape mm-hmm. was originally a browser game built with Java, which we talked about with General Heat a little bit. Um, and RuneScape was, uh, large, I'm sorry, I'm losing my mind here. It was originally Java, but replaced with C++ code later on in 2016. So we're talking like 15 years later, they basically said, uh, Java's a little old, so maybe we should move on. The game has had over 200 million accounts, including my sister, who is a paid subscriber at one point in time, and shout out to my sister. She really got me into this game for uh, like almost a year and a half back in the late 2000s, maybe. Early mid two thousands, probably two thousand five. It was a middle school, high school time frame. Um, so here we go. It's the world's largest and most updated free MMORPG. So Runescape still has that. Runescape takes place in the world of whatever that word is.
2: I've only. I've of I'm gonna
0: say Gielinor. Gielinor, whatever. Like a it. medieval fantasy realm divided into different kingdoms, regions, and cities. They can travel throughout the world via a number of methods, including on foot magical spells, or charter ships, and I have traveled on all three of those things. Each region offers different types of monsters, resources, and quests to challenge players. The game's fictional universe has also been explored through a tie-in video game on another of its maker's websites, Fun Orb, armies of <laughs> Dylanor, Galenor, whatever it is, and the mm-hmm. novels Betrayal at Falador, Return of the *Canifus*, and Legacy of Blood. Players are represented in the game with customizable avatars. RuneScape does not follow a linear storyline. Duh, MMORPG. Rather, players set their own goals and objectives. Um, and there's tons and tons and tons of cool quests you could do, but a lot of them had resulted in me just going and mining out of cave. And I think my mm-hmm. best stat was mining. <laughs> I spent a lot of time just mining because I wanted gold. All right, let's see here. Um... <laughs> Players can choose to fight non-player characters, that's called an NPC, monsters, complete quests, or increase their experience and the available skills. Or if you were like me back in the day, you'd walk out into the PvP area, or not PvP area, I never did that, that was that would have killed me quickly. Um, you'd go yeah, like you one, trade. Like... go to somewhere where you can trade, and you say, I will double your money, <laughs> and then some kid hands you 5,000 gold, you hand them 10,000, then they hand you 100,000, and you leave the game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, I think I had a million gold doing that, but, you know, whatever. I was one of those idiots back in the day. Um, so let's see here. Uh, players interact with each other through trading, which is what I just talked about, chatting, participating in mini games and activities, some of which are competitive or combative in nature, while others require cooperative and collaborative play, like some quests require you to team up with other people and do them that way. So as the game's popularity re- grew, the game engine was rewritten and released as RuneScape 2, with the original version of the game being renamed RuneScape Classic, and I never played the updated versions. Third third iteration of the game, known as RuneScape 3, was released in July 2013. Old school RuneScape, a separate older version of the game, dating from August 2007, was released in February 2013 and is maintained alongside the original client. It was announced that mobile ports of both versions, which they're already out, by the way, Mm -hmm. um, were going to be released on Android and iOS in 2018. And they are solid ports. And they also released it to Steam on 14th of October 2020. So that was this year. And I'm sure that is doing pretty well since a free-to-play Java game in Steam. So, what do you remember about Runescape? What's the what's the defining feature for you?
2: Yeah, so I remember. So I somehow had missed this game before, and then my uncle came to visit one time, and he was, you know, in his 40s, 50s, and he's like, "This is the coolest game ever. Every kid should be playing this game." So he like helped me set up an account, and we log into it, and you know, I played it all that day, and it was cool. Um, I The only RPG at the time, I was a little bit late, so I didn't play it in 2001, but, like, I had played Fable. I had played Morrowind. So the top-down part kind of threw me off, and I didn't like it as much. And then I got, you know, mutilated in the PvP. Hmm. Um, and I'm going to try not to sneeze. <laughs> Hashtag pandemic. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that's, like... The memory that I have because after that, like like I was telling Chris before we started, like I'm I had a hard time playing PC games when not growing up because we had the one computer, it's my dad's computer, and when he was home, no one else was allowed to be on it. <laughs> um so, you know, that was like the the one time I got to play this cool game was when my uncle came and visit um and showed me the game. I remember playing this game on a Sony Vio
0: desktop computer with windows xp and uh i'm dated that's that's an old computer at this point but um the Mm -hmm. screen we're talking like early flat screen technology because i did not it was not a crt computer and man this game looked good on a computer up until i opened up the xbox 360 the first time and i was like yep this is the past and the xbox 360 is the future and Mm -hmm. that's that But I was not a PC gamer at the time. But I did come back to this game several times for nostalgic purposes. And the one defining feature for me was how blocky these characters are. It's like almost like a Minecraft-looking game before Minecraft was even a thing. Mm -hmm. And the textures and and everything else. I don't know. it's It's simple. It's fun. And you can waste tons of hours playing it, just like you can do with any other MMORPG. But one of the characteristics that makes this unique in my opinion, is that you could literally play this game by yourself all the time every day and always have something to do without ever having to do anything in the multiplayer sense. Mm-hmm. And you could build your character up just mining some stuff or, you know, fighting things in dungeons or exploring this world. It was just massive and funny and fun. And you'd get on you'd see what your friends were doing because you could, like, look them up and yep. your friends on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've tried to log into my old account and failed at it many, many times, because I think they cleaned up the user base a few times since I last played it. Mm -hmm.
2: There's no way I would remember my password. It's probably dinosaur (laughs) or something. So the thing I find interesting
0: is that um, Classic RuneScape still has this maintained, like old-school RuneScape, whatever you want to call it. RuneScape 3 is a very different-looking game. And I don't recommend playing RuneScape 3. I like RuneScape the OG versus this.
2: It looks better, but that doesn't make it better. Mm-hmm. So and graphics aren't everything. Well, they're doing the similar situation with WoW. Um where, you know, they have the classic and I think they remade it recently and people were not were not happy with it, right? It's it was broken. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: it was WoW classic and it was completely broken. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not as you. bad as uh he posing on a motorcycle naked. But...
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's just funny. They shouldn't even they should not take that
0: out. That should stay in the game. That should be like well, it changes the rating of the game, maybe, who knows? <laughs> yeah. But runes old school RuneScape, um, let me see if I can find it for the iOS. I do just like the aesthetics of the original. Original version. Simpler time,
2: man. Oh yeah.
0: One hundred percent. Oh
2: yeah. I like the old logo too.
0: It just—it's—it reminds me of the simpler times of playing RuneScape for the first time, mm-hmm. and uh, just—I don't know—it still—it it holds up because from a polygon standpoint, it's smooth, and it—it's anything can run this. You could run this with a you know XP machine, maybe even Windows ninety eight would run this. I don't know, maybe, maybe yeah, probably not. Um, maybe. And there's something to be said for icons such as these. There's. Reminds me of old-school Zelda, too, you know? Yeah, it does. So, um, question is, do you still play this game? Answer is, no, I don't. But (laughs) if I was going to pick up and play it, I would play old-school RuneScape, not RuneScape 3. So, Yep, same. For those of you that can't see this, we're looking at gameplay from the iOS version of RuneScape Classic. Being mesmerized.
2: Again, just remembering better times. (laughs)
0: <laughs> much better time <laughs> although mmrpgs are still playable in 2020 unlike you know couch co-op games so maybe these mm-hmm. will make a comeback who knows yeah. <laughs> as always i'm chris and well, will and subscribe to hard for games and the krill cast and i uh we will see you Our next Krillcast. cast bye guys This is the Krillcast. I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Tony from Hard for Games. And uh before we talk about the worst controllers of all time and best controllers of all time, Tony has played with a lot of controllers on his channel, and he's gonna tell you all about his channel.
3: Yeah, so uh from Hard for Games, like I mentioned, we do a lot of gaming preservation. We also take a look at some obscure prototype type content. So with that, you do get a lot of weird controllers. We've messed around with the ultra 64 controller, uh, earlier versions of the game boy advance, all sorts of bizarre, strange doohickeys and and things. So if you want to check those out, over at our channel, Hard for Games, Numeral Four, over on YouTube. I apologize for the name. I promise the content is good though, so <laughs> you'll love. The it. content is great. You've been the watching his so, content so for a while, so it's fine. Hard for Games, yeah, like it just rolls off the tongue, yeah, and then you're does. like, and then, then you're like, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and in every single video this week, there'll be hashtag Hard for Games in there. So mm-hmm. represent. No. Yeah. Um, and. Should I give him a peek into something that Tony and I have worked on? We're kind of been working out in the background here. Or no. Oh, if you want to go for it, there is a, let's just put it this way. There is a Shrek ballad that may be coming out in the near future in collaboration with the Crowcast and hard for games. So mm-hmm. look forward to that. And uh,
3: yeah, I've been, uh, <laughs> collecting all the footage that I've been recording <laughs> over the years and I'm waiting for, uh, another contributor to record some footage on some bizarre devices he has that i'm hoping to use to fill in a little bit and <laughs> i'm I'm pretty pretty stoked for how stupid this is going to be but it's going to be <laughs> real real good at the same time so i'm, I'm be, stoked it'd be
0: really cool to have it come out around the time you get 80k that'd be pretty cool
3: you know what yeah that would be that would be a big F you to everybody, but I think it'd be something that they would also really enjoy. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> all right. Now we got that preview out of the way. Um, best and worst controllers of all time. Um, I will let Tony go first. Do you want to do best or worst?
3: Um. You know, I, I ha- I'm sorry. I keep <clears throat> doing that. Uh, I have uh, actually with me one of the worst and one of my best. So I could do, I could do either. Which one do you want to hear?
0: We'll make the choice worst
3: All All right. Right, okay so i have the atari jaguar controller <laughs> oh, okay and my oh. issue with it isn't like most people's like so for most people like it, they say it feels uncomfortable in the hands I'm trying to get on my camera here <laughs> and, and for me it actually feels relatively cozy in my hands like it's not a big deal The issue is more so that it's very light and cheap feeling. The buttons are very uh, plasticky. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And there's a keypad, which was an idea that was, you know, pretty much outdated by about 10 years when the Jaguar came out. So you'd get these overlays on here. And if you got it, you know, secondhand, didn't have the overlay. Well, good luck figuring out what's what. Um, there's a button in Tempest 2000, which the whole thing about that game is the music, where you can just turn the music off of the button and you don't even know Like, <laughs> what happened. <laughs> so there were later revisions to this thing that added a, an additional row, kind of like the Genesis six-button controller. There was an Atari Jaguar six-button controller, um, which basically took over for some games some of these keypad options, which made things a lot Easier and the game's more playable really the best way to play most of the games, but it's super expensive It isn't until recently that some people have created Like decent quality replicas So there's ways to get around that but at the time the original Jaguar controller is light Cheap plasticky and has buttons in all the wrong places That's my worst
0: Well, you've convinced me that I should not keep pursuing getting an atari jaguar so yeah <laughs> what about you will what's your worst favorite worst well, favorite what's your worst controller of all time yeah
2: well you know to go with the ones that i've actually played i've never played a jaguar that controller looks terrible <laughs> but um honestly the wii i hate that controller like i liked it for like wii sports but for playing anything else it's i hate it i hate it so much i know that it's the, like the best selling console of all time no but, it's not oh the ps2 is my bad it's, it's almost the best selling console um it's like number five <laughs> we're not <laughs> five. first of all i'm not picking i'm not putting in the handhelds chris it's not definitely not five
0: ps2 and then i think the ps4 outsold the wii right i don't think it has yet
1: i think it did
0: i don't know that still doesn't make it number four chris <laughs> all right let's look it up let's go just for fun real quick keep on, well i'll find anyway I'll find here,
2: i i don't like it it's a, it's like a remote like a tv remote it's it's hard to play like sideways it doesn't fit my hands very well i don't think it's very ergonomic um yeah it gets dirty quickly like for whatever reason it really sucks the dirt off my hands <laughs> maybe i just have dirty hands i don't know um but uh yeah i've thrown it several times uh by accident for you know like doing the motion controls <laughs> Um, but yeah, I would definitely say it's, my, it's not necessarily like a terrible controller. A lot of people do like it. But as far as the systems I've played, I definitely rank it my, my least favorite.
0: Hey, Will, it's number four. Yeah, PlayStation 2, then PlayStation 4, then PlayStation, then Wii. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you. The PlayStation, the original PlayStation, not, also I, sold don't, the Wii.
2: I don't trust Wiki, Wikipedia. <laughs>
0: hey, all right. news. Yeah. I, got a, I got a controversial one here. It's more controversial than Will's. I oh. hate the Joy Cons. You know what? Absolutely
2: That's my second one. I hate Joy Cons. I'm going to the Joy
0: Cons too.
3: I mean, the Joy Cons are basically just remotes that are little. Mm-hmm. So they just don't. My hands
0: are too big for them. I cannot yeah. use these. Like everybody hands me one of these when they're playing their Switch, and I'm like, no, I'm going to use the Pro Controller or the Hori Split Pad Pro. Yeah, I cannot. And then the fact that they have the drift, it just takes its top top number of of my worst controller of all time. But a close second would be that really strange hyperscan controller because it's like the cheapest plastic I've ever touched in my entire life and the games that went with it were just weren't that great to begin with. So like if you ever played right. a hyperscan and then third place is the R-Zone, the one that goes over your eye that has that oh, really yeah. bizarre, pushy, squishy button controller. Nope.
3: <laughs> yeah, that that whole package is bad. I, think. <laughs> I actually have an R-Zone behind me somewhere.
0: I sold mine because somebody offered me like $200 for it. And I was like, you can just have it. <laughs> you can, I will take $200 for you to take this off my hands. <laughs> but of the mainstream, mainstream consoles, the Joy-Con
1: is just. Mm-hmm.
3: Sorry, I'm knocking over stuff. I need to replug in my headphones, getting this R zone. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Here we go. So just about- for your point of, point of reference here. Is, uh, that controller is <laughs> garbage. Yeah. yeah. There's actually a couple other R zones. One was like a um. Do I don't have any of them here, right next to me? But uh, there's like a handheld one that was all contained, and then there's yeah. one that was like one of those like mini arcades that you have nowadays. But they all sucked. But they had the controller.
0: That was the worst. One of the worst controllers. So those three. One of those three is the worst. But of the mainstream controllers I've used. I think Joy-Con takes the cake as because I even like the Wiimotes over the Joy Cons personally.
3: Yeah, especially depending on the game and how you have to play it. Yeah,
0: It'd be a little so, bit tough. Now, how about our best controllers of all time?
3: So I have I have two, um, and it, it, one is kind of g- of a gimme, and the other one's kind of controversial. So. I've never been a huge fan of the GameCube controller. Like, the way that it fits in my hand is okay. The plastic seems kind of cheap and flimsy. and But my preferred GameCube controller, try not to gasp, try not to vomit, is a Mad Cat's GameCube controller. (laughs) Okay? It is thick. It's got... Thick, rubberized grips. The the joystick and the C-stick feel better. Everything about it feels better. The cord is more robust. Like, it's... Like, and I know during that era, like, eventually, Mad Cat's just kept purchasing up better companies and integrating and creating decent stuff eventually. Um, but during that era, they they weren't making that good of content. Like, that great that of uh, controllers. But this is preferable yeah that's it on the top yeah not that obviously that one's the the stock that's it right there that one's kind of discolored and such but uh it's grippy it's just it's it's a beast i love it
0: it's got a better d-pad i'll give you that
3: so the other one that i have is a custom which kind of doesn't count (laughs) but this was made by benj edwards this is a, a virtual boy joystick Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. So although it's not ergonomic, this is homemade. Micro switches. Mm -hmm. Really good feel for all of the buttons. Um, I don't have an actual Virtual Boy controller here next to me. But uh, Virtual Boy controller is functionally a GameCube controller in sort of a prototypical phase. It's... um, not bad in and of itself it's just a little bit half-baked in terms of the two d-pads and such Mm -hmm. but one of the big problems with it is that your your uh either battery pack or your power is connected to the back and those power bricks can get a little bit finicky or they can slide off so mid playthrough uh it can just kind of get messed up basically (laughs) Your, your game powers down um and also there's the fact that you're, you know, on a certain cord, and it's, it's the virtual play, right? So what this does is it provides a secondary power. It has its own power that kind of comes out here, plugs in, provides power to this and provides power to the unit. So it's no longer tethered to like a battery pack. Plus you get a better experience because realistically, most ga- virtual boy uh, games I've played have been pretty much just arcadey type experiences and playing them with an arcade stick feels way better they play like different games with an arcade mm. stick um so that probably is one of my favorite controllers stupid expensive probably shouldn't have bought it <laughs> but uh <laughs> it's it's well designed
0: <laughs> and he does a bunch what? of
3: uh oh, controllers and joysticks for other consoles as well cool uh you have a linkek and show people yeah um t- if you go to twitter it's uh at b-e-n-j-e-d-w-a-r-d-s
0: ben J edwards yep or, or is it benj edwards i'm oh, pretty it's sure it's
3: benj it could be I could be mispronouncing that
0: so he does he's the one that built that
3: and uh cool. he has a he has a link in his the top of his profile there. I think it's benjedwards.com.
0: It's not vintagecomputing.com. Did I miss the click the wrong one?
3: Uh, oh there it is. There it
0: is. You're right. Never mind. It I might found be
3: it. might be both. I think he's a part of vintage computing. I think.
0: That's his not his sure
3: if this there. is his bio or if he has any sort of his store i'm not sure if it's still up on this or not let me i'll poke around and i'll get a link for your okay for your viewers it's been a while since i've explored his site to be honest with you
0: i'll put a link in the in the uh pinned comment if we can find it Mm -hmm.
3: okay perfect
2: all right um how about you will what's your favorite controller so i mean i have a couple um so (laughs) i've always been a big fan of the xbox controllers i always feel like they get better every year um i i love the duke when it first came out uh it, it felt perfect for the console because it was gigantic and the console <laughs> was gigantic um the i like the s though as well and then the 360 controller is obviously god tier and i'm sure sh- i would be shocked if chris didn't at least mention that one and then uh you know the xbox one and then the xbox uh series x are very nice controllers but in all honesty this is gonna be super weird my favorite controller still to this day is the n64 controller that weird three-pronged whatever i used to think it was mario's hand which makes no sense because it's three fingers but i thought that's what it was and i actually caught myself like to to this day i actually see how he's holding it i still hold my controllers that way so i i hold them at a really weird angle um and it's because i grew up with this controller <laughs> um <laughs> And I don't know, I just it felt right it, using the the thumbstick or uh, joystick uh, with my left, left hand is perfect. And like being able to, to rotate and like play on the other side. I don't know. I thought that was so cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the N64 controller gets a lot of flack, but I always found it pretty comfortable. Mm-hmm. Other than the
0: analog stick literally caused gouges in my hand.
3: Yeah, but I mean, well, like for like one game when you were trying desperately to beat your friends.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the Mario Party was that was a regular game I would play consistently, oh, okay. and so my hand was wrecked when yeah. we would play that game.
3: Glove up, man. Glove up.
0: <laughs> Get the uh, power glove and play it. No,
3: yeah, pumping anything. I know I'm, I'm I'm definitely wrong on
2: this, but I always thought that that controller came in more colors just out of the like out of the box than other uh, controllers. Because it seemed like there were so many when I was growing up. Because we actually had a rankings so like blue was uh, player one, green was player two, red was player three, and then gray was the lowly player player four that I'd always get <laughs> relegated to, um, and like like it was always like a big deal to be like move up the ranks as you got better.
3: Yeah, they <laughs> uh, they like... had a bunch of different colors at launch. Um, the eventually the the sort of the different color multicolored controllers would be packed in with the multicolored consoles
1: mm-hmm.
3: and they would, they would always match the color, but I, I, they do have, um, I mean, they, they did, I think pretty sure they did launch with multiple colors or if not, they did come out very shortly thereafter
0: mm-hmm.
3: with a large variety of colors.
0: Yeah. All right. I'll give you my favorite controllers. I'll give you, I'll give you one that's kind of controversial. As, uh, as, as Mr. Tony would say, and it's on my unboxing channel. I haven't used it in quite some time, but it was super awesome. It's a PS2 wireless controller. It was better than the DualShock 3, in my opinion. I have no idea how I obtained this thing, but it pretends to be a Sony controller, and it's not. But the buttons are way clickier than the DualShock 2, and the wireless range on this thing is insane. I can play it from any room in my house using this controller. So it's the best pl- wireless PlayStation 2 controller I've ever used. And there's no hump on the back like the 360 controllers had. So you'll see later in this video, um, as I'm showing you, there's nothing behind this thing. They fit the batteries inside beneath the start and select buttons. Oh,
1: wow.
0: And it's one of the best wireless experiences I've ever had, right right alongside the Wave Bird for the GameCube. Um, and then the second place, or second place, first place, Will already knows. It's the one I use for PC gaming, actually. It's the wired Xbox 360 controller that doesn't have the battery hump in the middle. Hmm. That is my favorite controller of all time. And I've made sure to always have at least one of these wired Xbox 360 controllers at all times. Because they're getting harder and harder to come by. And it is ergonomically my favorite controller of all time.
3: You really can't go wrong with an Xbox controller of any generation. You know, they're just, they're just well-made,
0: mm-hmm.
3: good-feeling controllers.
0: I like it better than the one, though. The 360, in my opinion, is like the de facto Xbox controller.
2: have you tried the the series x one yet i have not it's it's such a subtle difference but i don't like playing with the normal xbox one controller now it's like just slightly slightly smaller and there's like like, it's textured on the triggers and on the the bumpers oh it's so wonderful (laughs) (laughs) all right well
0: i don't want to keep tony up much later so that will and i can talk about runescape which (laughs) since you guys are seeing these videos out of order but runescape is actually the last video we filmed with everybody here except for tony um but i (laughs) want to thank tony for being on the podcast for four out of these five episodes and yeah it's been a pleasure having you on
3: Mm -hmm. yeah thank you so much guys for having me i appreciate the invite and uh hope to do it again sometime
0: absolutely and uh, maybe with gamester 81 like we said before yeah that'd be a lot
3: of fun let's get him
0: on (laughs) and try to uh, bug him as well But he already said he would.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, as always, I'm Chris. And I'm Will. And I'm Tony.
3: Thanks for watching.
2: And we will see you on the next Coolcast. Bye, guys.